As you see, we had to go into a mucus membrane. Oh, yes, yes. So, of course, yeah. he stuck it up her nose. Yeah, which would yeah. have, I mean, let's be honest, that would have been easier. Yeah. It would have been awkward. It would have been funnier. And I know there was a line about that, sort of acknowledging, oh, okay, I'll just stick it up her nose. But um, it would have been less crass or crap. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to Big Damn Crap. I mean, crass. I mean, cast with me, your host, Bib Fortuna. <laughs> and I am Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> Wanna wonga. Wanna wonga. That's what Bib Fortuna says. We need a salacious crumb. <laughs> Just hang out in the corner. Um, we're, <laughs> we're here to talk about. Stuff that doesn't really matter, but we're gonna die one day, so screw it. Let's let's fill it with mindless trivia in the interim. Let's try and be happy, please, God. Let's try and be happy. Oh my word! Oh. Fiddle with this mic stand. I should hope so too. Um, but whilst you're doing that, yes. what's on the menu for today's the episode? Menu for today, we're going to talk about new glimpses we've had of the Punisher. Oh yeah, and. Jumanji! Oh, Welcome yeah. to the channel! Um, <laughs> we're also gonna talk about uh, it getting a sequel. Mm-hmm. It, not it, it. Um, the definite it, definite, definite article. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell <laughs> you. You might pay! I'm gonna tell you, Christopher, oh. what I thought of the first episode of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, oh. We're gonna talk, we're gonna tell them, the listeners, you what we thought yeah. about Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Oh, spoiler uh, alert! Hmm. We're going to visit <laughs> Rick and Morty Corner. Yes. And then we're going to do your, the audience's, emails. So, and the award for best use of music in a trailer 2017 goes to Netflix for The Punisher. With one by Metallica soundtracking this percussive trailer, shall we say. Um gunshots to music there's not much to say really about the series like we see characters and things and he kills people and says things and that's about it so let's just watch it but as a, as a like a little tone poem yeah for what this I think is going to be that's i think what, it set the tone really well but. that does it quite yeah because mcu netflix give good trailer yeah they give very good trailer you get geared up by the trailer yeah, they, they even made ne- uh, iron fist look good yeah and for, yeah for the first four courses of their delicious buffet meal that trailer was very mm. accurately representative of the finished product yes um iron fist broke the mold Defenders was also kind of not as... Uh, it wasn't the best mood board for what the series turned out to be. And it was... F- and Def- I mean, Defenders and Iron Fist were all flawed. Uh, yeah. Defenders less so, mm. but... Again, great trailer, though, using Nirvana and everything. Like, it just sort of sets the tone really well. And So, I'm not looking at this Punisher trailer and going, that's exactly what we're going to get, but damn, I hope it's what we get. Yeah. Because it just looks like... It looks like a Punisher story should look. It doesn't look like they've gone... Da-da-da! Heroic superhero program! Mm. And it also doesn't look like they've gone, mm, you know, it's, a, oh, it's kind of black and white here, there's a grey in the middle. No, it's just like, this should look horrible. Yeah, it, sh- he, it should look like a living nightmare, and we the viewers are not quite sure who's having it. He, Frank Castle or us? He is a violent murderer. <laughs> yeah. And he kills everyone in sight. Um, so yeah, I don't know when we're going to get it, no release date yet. 
Yeah, they keep teasing all, it. They all keep, signs keep, we know it's this year. November. Yeah, I, I wouldn't believe, be surprised. So. I don't think it's going to be out next month. November, I reckon. November, yeah. Unless, um, unless they whack it out like end of October and go, there you go, here's your Halloween treat. I think they've already, it's got a skull on it. I think they've already <laughs> revealed their... Um, when are we getting October Thor? Lineup. We're getting Thor October. November 3rd. Is it? I thought we got it slightly before. For some we reason. might do. We we sort of traditionally the UK yeah, tends like to get it like a week before. I'm not sure. Okay, if, so sure. so late November then maybe for Punisher. Yeah, maybe as like a palate cleanser for the adults before Star Wars Mania like <sighs> kicks in full gear. So excited. Um, <laughs> speaking <laughs> of excitement, um, Frank Cassiel, Jumanji. Yeah. Welcome to the jungle. Now you keep saying you keep. Is that his full title or is it a Ghostbusters thing where it's basically called Jumanji but they will always publish it with Welcome to the Jungle underneath? I think it's called Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Because they did that with Ghostbusters. It was Ghostbusters and then on home video it was renamed but not officially Ghostbusters Answer the Call. I saw that in some of the pre-release promotion as well. Well, it was was the tagline originally and then they they just made it a subtitle. But I think Jumanji's always been Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. No, I remember it was called Jumanji for a while. Because uh, that was the whole thing of wait, is it a remake? And they went, no, it's a sequel. It's a sequel. So it's it's that whole the uh, the thing prequel, for example, where that was called the thing as well. And it's like, oh, for God's sake, just call it a new name. Yeah. But it's definitely a sequel. And out of the two new trailers we got, both uh, American and international, well, well, worldwide, but you know, primarily US and international. The the international the, the oh god the the worldwide trailer actually suggests how this works as a as a follow-up it's yeah. not a sequel to jumanji in terms of it being a sequel to the characters it's a new story featuring the board game yeah however massive hint in the opening of this trailer yeah that this video game that Juman the new jumanji movie is all about may actually be the board game it's evolving to make sure it stays played. Which makes sense. Which then begs the question, where does this come from? This isn't a game that was made in like the sort of twenties and thirties that the, the sort of the style of the the jungle we're aware of in that movie yeah, represents, yeah. like with the game hunter and everything. Now this is this is an ever changing living thing that needs yes. to be played. So it's gone around the games. But then it also looks like it's slightly behind still, because it looks like a retro games console. It's an yeah. old school piece of tech. Yeah. Um, wood panelling. A little bit of wood Yeah. Panelling. So in like 30, 40 years, it'd look more like a PlayStation 2, for example. <laughs> or it'd be an app. <laughs> Jumanji the app. There's how, an app for that. How depressing. But, for um, you play a game, though, so you'd have to wait an hour before you can do anything. So when they first said, like, oh, God. When they said, uh, yeah, Jumanji's... Best value. Jumanji's going to be, you know, it's a video game. I think we all sort of went, what? Because it does... I didn't. It does... Oh, I fucking did. Because it loses the whimsy of, like, the board game. That whole thing of opening this this ancient looking, what the hell is this? And piecing it open and the spookiness of the pieces moving on their own and all these things. Like, there's something about that that was very much... Uh, key to the, the spirit and why people really enjoy the feel of that original movie because it isn't a great movie but it's got some really good things in it and it, because of that it's very fondly remembered and that was one of the things this mysterious board game so I thought losing that would be a, a thing but this trailer's suggesting it's the same thing this is the board game it's just changed shape it's changed how you play it and that sort of makes me feel a little less like oh they made it a video game it's more like oh it made itself into okay now i'm interested because this board game appears to be sentient in more ways than we thought before um plus because i'm a picky sod i like my whimsy when you take the whimsy away and make it a bit more cold and modern i always lose a bit of the attraction to it but if there's a story reason it's a little more palatable 
funny. The story reason is that because that's what they wanted to do with it. Yeah, that's that's. I know, but but then it seems the script, from what we're being suggested, has found a way to make it less just on the nose, cynical. We've just done it, and more. Here's why that's happened. So if you if you're a kid who's never seen the other one, you're none the wiser. If you have seen the other one, you're like reassured. Yeah, that didn't. It, that that story isn't discounted. This is all part of the same thing for definite. The game is aware, but also it means that the um I've noticed as well. It being a retro console, the villains and the world that they're in when they're in the game. Because obviously, again, in this one, they're in the game, which mm. is different from the original. Mm. Um, uh. Like the villains and that aren't fitting the whole handlebar mustache, you know, like pith helmeted villain of the first no, one. No, no, They're fitting more the eighties action movie kind of, you know, it's like a bit Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones yeah. meets sort of like a Schwarzenegger sort yeah. of military flick. Um, so yeah, I kind of like the idea that the game adapts itself. That's that's intriguing. But enough about that. What about the trailer itself? I still think the selling points to me, the thing that makes me pretty damn excited to see it actually. Is Jack Black playing a 15, 16-year-old mean girl in a 40-odd-year-old man's body? No. That, that's not the selling point to you? No. Do you think that's going to be annoying? Yes. Oh, really? Okay. Um, but, I mean, not <laughs> I mean, ter- it, is a, it is a comedy. Not, they not, are marketing it very much as a comedy yeah. rather than a fantasy movie. I don't think it's going to be terribly annoying. It's just... Looks fine. It looks all right. It looks like I'm having okay. a bit of a laugh, and that's as about <laughs> as excited as I'm getting about it. It I, looks all. I'm right. finding myself unusually excited, considering I was skeptical. Um, and I don't hold Jumanji like dear in my heart. Yeah, which is why I was confused about how, why you seem to be so apologetic about looking I th- forward I think to this. It's less. It's like, less. It's less a love for the original source material, more a love for that era's kind of fantasy movies. Like Jumanji, sort of feels like it's part of the same group as like the the mid the early to. Uh, early 80s onwards, kind of that realm of, you know, um, Return to Oz and Labyrinth, and it kind of feels part of that family. Uh, it's sort of maybe like the last great mm. 80s fantasy movie. It just happened to be in the mid to late 90s that it came out. Um, I don't believe you. Fair play. <laughs> but, like, t- I, I, have a love, I have a love for that genre. No, like, I get what you mean, you, yeah, yeah. Princess Brides, your never-ending stories. Like, I have, I have a real... Because they touch on those traditional themes and elements. Yeah. And they've got... Mysticism. It has got CGI and, in it, but it's got enough of that puppety charm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it the, makes it like, feel like some that. of the animals are animatronics and real animals, and you've got, like, the plant and yeah, stuff like that, yeah. where it's these very real things, and it... Uh, but you also have the dawn of the new era of special effects, albeit not in the most refined way. Monkey Child! But definitely a thousand times better than Lost in Space, which Monkey- came out after oh, that. Oh, God, Lost in Space. Yeah. Terrible. I love you, wife. Cool. Do you want to show any emotion, mate? Oh, um, but yeah, William Hurt there, ladies and gentlemen. But um, yeah, and Gary Oldman hamming it up as a spider. Man. Oh, so good. Uh, <laughs> so good. And a daughter with a weirdly creepy, like... Jennifer Tilly meets the tiny woman from Poltergeist voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember seeing her or anything else. <laughs> or if you did, she was dubbed in ADR. Yeah. Um, speaking of ADR, there was a weird moment where Karen Gillan says something in, I think it's the international trailer. And, and she's clearly saying something else. Yeah, it's really <laughs> weird. Yeah, that's odd. Um, I'm, I'm actually dubbing creeping in movies lately. Yeah, it's been quite a bit. I'm looking forward to... You're saying editors are getting lazy? I'm looking forward to seeing um, <laughs> these four bounce off of each other. Yeah. Because The Rock is basically a freaking charisma machine. Mm. 
like and so him playing a character here who isn't a charisma machine charisma machine pretending to be a charisma machine is going to be kind of fun i don't think he's going to be able to not be a christmas machine that's true uh kevin hart like and he did a really fun job in central intelligence last year so i do look forward to watching them bounce off each other again jack black i always enjoy even if the film is mediocre and doesn't always forgive the movie i'm not i saw 10 minutes of gulliver's travels and i wanted to vomit myself to death uh and good old karen gillen in a first kind of proper leading role in a family thing like she's either been covered yeah. in prosthetics and playing a baddie or you know has been in small horror movies or indie films it's Still like not seen oculus oculus is worth a what take it after this take it home no take it's, it on, it's on prime yeah, oh I'm just gonna go around to oh it. good too good for my discs are you yeah yeah, fair, yeah. Fair play. I I've got my... so many discs, Christopher. Speaking of Oculus, I carried on my movie meme the other day. I, I realised I hadn't finished. I want <laughs> less discs in my house. Um, yeah, your movie meme is very impressive. 210? Uh, I think 217 was when I last Jesus. looked at it. And I've, I've just posted like uh, 207 or whatever. Um, keeping in mind, though, when I started like two months ago, I was hammering at it for days. And now I'm going, oh yeah, I never finished. <laughs> so I'll just add a few more. Um, Fair enough. I brought it up because Oculus was in there and I couldn't find a good enough gift for it. I was really annoyed. Jumanji. No. Looks all right. Yeah, looks pretty fun. Um, Surprised, weirdly. Yeah. yeah. Looks okay. Looks fine. I'll have a giggle. We'll go see it and we'll tell you what we think. Yeah. Right now. Well, no, it's not out yet. Later. It. Hmm? Chapter two. Yes. Confirmed. For death. September 29th? For reals? Famala Ding Dong. 2019? Uh, September 9th, I think. September 9th. Yeah, early September, same as this one. They want to get it um, out there pre-Halloween season so that it can um, still be creeping out of the sewers of the box office by the time Halloween rolls around. I would not be surprised if it's, like, it goes up again financial success-wise yeah. before, just before Halloween. They've, um, It'll definitely be playing still. Absolutely. Not, not confirmed whether Andre Muschietti and the writers and such are returning, but he, he has talked already, about yeah, developing it. They've, so, they've already yeah. got plans, so I would assume that they are, and also yeah. the child cast will be returning for flashbacks, I would imagine. And, and we were having a bit of a chinwag before the podcast about um, casting. Potential actors to play um, the roles of the children. Still, still, pre- still pretty sold on Jessica Chastain for Bev. Yeah. Although there's one of the suggestions you threw in before that made me... Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald. Who you is... found out that she's like roughly the age, like a bit older than the she's character's 49. age. But doesn't look 49, looks oh, closer no. to 14. Yeah. And of course, at one point in the movies, it, Richie calls Bev Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald. It's like, oh my god, that would be. Can you imagine? Meta as so meta. Fuck. Um, um, people were saying, and I, I, I would be interested to see this, but I, I think it would be a little distracting. Seth Green as Richie, no. since he played Richie as a kid in the miniseries, so it would be this weird sort of full circle thing. Yeah, but, that being said, I can't see... I can't see Seth... Because that's the thing. These actors Vin, Vin have Wolfhard got... growing up into Seth Green. That's the thing. These like... actors have got to play yeah. older versions of established characters yeah. by some damn fine young actors yeah, who yeah. did a great job. So it can't just be, oh, it's now this person and this is how this character behaves. It's like, no, they've got to play the character keeping that performance from the younger actor in mm-hmm. mind the whole time. Um, that being said, I still stand by my belief that it should be uh, actors who aren't like poster yeah, names. Like, like, I mean, you know, obviously they can have a fine body of work, but I think if they were poster names, it'd be distracting. Um, so it needs to be with Jessica Chastain's like perfect. Jessica Chastain is, is you know damn famous, fine performer, but like she's not the she's not the marquee name that sells a movie. Isla Fisher. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, out of those two, Jessica Chastain. Oh God, yeah, she runs away with it by him. Closer. Uh, Country Mile. Unless you want Isla Fisher to play, like, Stan. 
<laughs> just like, yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> so you're a bloke now. Um, so that being said, Patrick Wilson as Bill. Patrick Wilson for Bill. Yeah. James Franco, will he fit in there anywhere? I think James Franco sort of escapes an A-list poster name, yeah. Then again, we'll have to wait till we'll see how the disaster artist does, because I think that might change things a bit. Yeah. James Franco is, is who you're thinking. I don't know. <laughs> Just James Franco. Yeah. James Franco as the leper. I'm still unsure. We don't need any makeup or special I'm still, effects. I'm still unsure. Like Just turn up how you'd normally dress. Like, oh, I'm wearing everything is made of hemp. Oh, cool. I'm Let's smoking just, my clothes. Put CGI out your nose. Give it CGI out your nose. Give the little Voldemort yeah. green triangle. Cool. Brilliant. Ah, there cool. we go. Awesome. The other letter. Um, <laughs> who else will be? Who else will be pitching around? <laughs> um, we were talking about Benny. We said like Benny's actor because uh, yeah, spo- spoiler alert yeah, yeah, for the yeah, second yeah, half yeah. of the story of it. Benny trims up and becomes a really successful real estate like developer. He's an, no, he's an, he's architect. an architect. Yeah. yeah. Um, Somebody gets like trim, like not necessarily. He's not like you know, freaking, you know, uh, Charles Atlas, but like he <clears throat> he sheds the pounds and everything, um, and and becomes much slimmer. Uh, so that being said, every like every article that's been talking about potential casting always goes like, oh, Chris Pratt should do it. It's like no, Chris Pratt's too big, and the only reason you're casting him is because you're thinking, oh, because Chris Pratt did that, didn't he? He was a big guy, and now he's not a big guy. So that's yeah. it's like that's not why you should play the part. Um, you touched on Brendan Fraser. Yeah, I would buy that because we know he can be a dramatic actor, but he comes from a comedic background, which means he can bring that warmth that Benny definitely has. Although yeah. he's kind of lost that warmth. I watched Bedazzled the other day. Yeah, I, I actually I remove my endorsement of anything you say from now on. That's a terrible movie. It's terrible. I don't care how tight Liz Hurley's dress is. That's a terrible movie. It's terrible, but he's pretty funny. He's very funny in it, though, yeah. Um, I mean, it's terrible material, but he does the best of it. But that's what I'm saying. Benny isn't the nice, lovable kid we meet in part one when we meet him again as an adult at no, first. No, absolutely not. He, the old Benny starts to shine through. So an actor like Brennan Fraser, everyone's kind of, you know, surprised to see in something like this size again would be an interesting touch because he could play, like, sort of slightly douchey um, you know, architect and successful guy and this, that and the other. Yeah. And then there's his what his sort of walls break down and he becomes both vulnerable and like warm again. You just reintroduce the Brendan Fraser that we all fell in love with in the late nineties, early two thousands. Do you know what I mean? That'd be nice. Which would be lovely. Brendan Fraser is great and it sucks that he's not in stuff. What it about... really sucks he's, I mean to be fair, like being in films like that freaking one with all the animals and that is probably doesn't help. Jason Bateman? Oh, as Eddie? Eddie or Ben? He's got Eddie's face. He does have a very similar face to Eddie, Eddie the face. younger Eddie. Freddie Prince Jr. for his stan. I would say, I would say, cameo. as a man who enjoys his voice work, that would be a waste of Freddie Prince Jr. Would you boom his Richie? But as... Oh! Yeah, because he can, sort, he can sort... He can sort... Well, we've not seen them exhibited properly, but I'm going to put... I, I would never pull this out as a card, as an example, ever, in any other scenario. Brace yourself, ladies and gents. Take All a right, shot if I'm this ready. ever happens before. I'm ready. Look at his work in the magnum opi that is Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. plays the role of Fred. 
or Freddy in those two movies. Now that Fred is nothing. Fred. That Fred is nothing like Fred. Fred in the cartoons. He's this weird, egotistical, smug, like sort of you know, he's very aware of how sexy he is. It's like this isn't Freddy. No. Like what the hell? Freddy's just like the really nice guy. He's just like you know, the dashing like, hey. Hi, how are you doing? He's the all-American, like, kid. Do you know what I mean? That's his role in the cartoon. Yeah. And you can get some great comedy from the straight-facedness of that. The movies, they made him this weirdly sort of like, yeah, check me out. And a bit leery. There's a bit where he's in Daphne's body. And he's like, I can look at myself naked. And you're like, this isn't Freddy. But there is this weirdly charming sleazeball character in there. Which, yes, Richie's not a sleaze, but he obviously kind of is, he winds people up. It's that kind of fil- like always, filthy joke. He's and... always talking about his dick. Especially this iteration. I mean, he as well. is 12. Like, so... Everything he's saying is like a cock joke or yeah. a young mama joke or a sleeping with your sister joke, like things like that. I'll show you a staff infection. I think Freddie Prince Jr. could do that quite well. How about Especially because he's meant to be obviously a mature adult who, but then again, based on if they're going off the book and everything, he's got like a radio show, hasn't he? Like Richie Tozer is a popular disc jockey yes. and, and host. Yes. In, the, in the TV series, they make it more um, stand up. It's a terrible stand up. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, like, but like, there's that whole thing of the confidence yet still being kind of shit. Yeah. He could play that quite well. Um, plus, you know, damn fine voice actor and, and just nice for voice actors to play more things. Um, um, Danny Masterson for Stan. Whom? Let's have a look at him. What do I know Danny Masterson from? Dracula 2000. Face off. <laughs> um, I want to take his face. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like, in a short-ish role, he does kind of look like the kid in the first yeah, one. Yeah, first bit a bit. Yeah, like, spoiler alert, Stan isn't in the story very much in the second part of yeah. it. So, it'd be... It'd be probably better to yeah to cast somebody who sort of has more of the physical resemblance and essentially can just play the fear mm. like that that especially in that one moment of oh my god no no oh my god no never never again no absolutely not which which the, I, I wish i knew the kid's name is properly because they're all excellent they deserve that damn it but the lad who played stan in the first one sells that so well they do such a good job sowing that seed in the first movie yeah of like stan is clearly never coming back to Derry. You never in a million years is he going to do that. Like, he's the one who gets the worst experiences. Yeah. Uh, based on how he handles it and what happens to him. And, yeah. So, whoever's playing Stan's just got to believably play. No! No! Never again! Um, <laughs> I had a couple of other thoughts. Who? Me? What about Mike? Because you were talking. That's what I was going to say. Mm. Mike, Terence Howard or Cuba Gooding Jr.? Cuba Gooding would be great. Yeah. Um, Terrence Howard would be great too, but I think Cuba Gooding sort of has, he has a slightly older face. And as Mike is the one who stays in Derry, pretty much remembering it the whole time. Does he remember everything the whole time? Or yeah. It, yeah. Because yeah. Um, he looks into it. Well, obviously in, in the books, he's the researcher. But like we were saying the other week, you could have it that Mike basically carries on Benny's research or whatever. Like he decides to look more into Derry's history. And that's how you could find Ew. out more. Cuba Gooding, Cuba Gooding Jr. is believably could be believably 40, but he could be believably older than 40. Also, looking at Chosen Jacobs, I think he, he looks more like he's growing to Cuba Gooding rather than Terence Howard. Yeah, they've got, there's a bit of a resemblance there. It's sort of the way, like, his cheeks, isn't it? It's sort of like yeah. the, round, the rounder face and stuff. Yeah, I mean, Terence Howard's um, got a rounder face, but he's just not, the, he's not the right features. Yeah. Whereas Cuba Gooding, like, because he could believably play 40 or older than 40, he could yeah. play a 40-year-old who is freaking haunted by this stuff. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, he's having to keep a very brave face knowing that there is a ticking clock on Derry and that in 27 years' time, this thing might possibly come back. And Cuba Gooding Jr., I think, could handle that. He could handle the weight of that. Yes. Plus, he's also, like, he was poster material 10, 15 years ago. Now less so, so it isn't a distraction by having him in it. In terms of people that Andrew Machete's worked with before... Yes. I mean, Jessica Chastain, top of the list. Absolutely. Also in Mama, <clears throat> yeah. Nikolai Costa-Waldi from Game of Thrones. Right. Jamie Lannister. Yeah. Wait, is that his real name? Nikolai Costa-Waldi, yeah. What a great I slash terrible name. I love it. It's terrible because you'll never remember it and it um, will waste most of a tweet. But yeah, he's... Do you think he could fit in as maybe a, a grown-up Henry, if Henry's still alive, or... Uh, or maybe Tom, um, <gasps> Beverly's... Oh, grown-up Henry! Beverly's abusive partner. Um, I'd give him Henry. If Henry survives, that is. Oh, Henry survived. Henry has survived. You kill- Did you see him die on screen? No, he's alive. Henry is alive, probably crippled to fuck, probably spent 27 years being the personal feed bag of a horrible monster. Yeah, maybe. Um, which means you need to have someone who can play, like... I am no longer human! I am an intense fucked up meat sack that wants to murder things and I'm terrified of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think, what's his name? Ex Tapalapa Kettle. Let me look up the exact spelling of it. Go on, what's his name? No, not the spelling, just the name. Just the name in Nikolai Costa Waldi. Blomfell Foch Passamir de Lannister. Okay, yes. I think he could, he could do that quite well. Um, as long as he keeps the haircut. Yeah, mm. And it's shock white. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's a mullet and it's shock white. And I'll be happy. Actually, looking at him now, he'd probably make a pretty good stand. Go on. Let's have a look at the picture. Look at... Oh, well... Yeah, but uh, he'd be in and out then, wouldn't he, of the yeah, story? That's yeah. the problem. He's Danish. Bless you. And he's 47. Bless you. So he's the right age. He should play Henry. Yeah. Henry's pitched as older than those guys, yeah. a bit older. And, and yeah, yeah like... Yeah, because Henry's features were quite soft. He had quite a soft face for a stern bully. And his are a lot sharper. Mm, does he have a kind face? No, he has the face of a man with a mullet and a knife. Um, yeah, I mean, those are some ideas. We're bouncing some, we're bouncing some ideas around. I'm sure they're drawing up contracts as we speak. Very cool. Because they want to get that they want to get that into production. Get that clown well. money! Um, get that Pennywise money! Oh! Yeah. Dollar bills with Tim Curry's face on one side and Bill Scott's cards on the other. Now, <laughs> <laughs> moving away from it, must we? Um, must we? Guess what popped up on Netflix this last week? <gasps> Star Trek Discovery. Oh, the first Star Trek TV series <laughs> for okay. about. Thought you were going to say it, the miniseries for about. Uh, Enterprise was 2004, 2005? Even like 13, 15 years, maybe? Over a decade. Over and, a decade. And, it, and most importantly, it's a Star Trek series set in the original continuity. Yes. Of the it, TV shows we all grew up with. I think set roughly a decade before the original series. Yeah, so it's after Enterprise. Yeah. Pre-TOS. Um... And I watched the first episode. Yeah, because in the States you have to pay money to hire a in certain States, service, don't you, to watch it? Is it is the flagship TV show for CBS All Access, which is CBS's proprietary streaming service because every channel has one of those now. Yeah. Uh, I believe they put the first... They they like 
debuted the first episode though like on CBS and stuff to be like here I you go so, yeah, now yeah. come and watch the rest of it by paying um, us some money and the first whereas, two episodes were on Netflix with a new episode coming every Monday yeah whereas us, yeah, us lucky buggers in the uh, UK and Europe we get it, again, on, it on Netflix, Netflix. So if you pay $6.99 for the one service you don't have to pay $6.99 for another service before so, we all get seven ninety nine to death that was um, that was beautiful thank there. you um, I only sing beautifully when I'm singing about being financially bankrupted by greedy corporate entities. Speaking of which, nice. our sponsor this week is... No. Um, um, I'm not going to throw any of them under the bus, because if they want to sponsor us, fair enough. So, um, this show... But do you really, really need a freaking Fallout 4 bobblehead every month, Luke Craig? Damn it, I said their name! It's pronounced Luke Craig. Um, <laughs> so, this show doesn't actually follow a captain of a starship. Good. Follows the first officer. Um, so, so, you, so you're Riker, you're, uh, you're, uh, first, you're, you're Riker, you're, you're Riker. Yeah, that's yeah. my basis for comparison. You're first, Riker. First officer, Michael Burnham. Oh, wow. A woman. Oh, called Michael. A woman called Michael. Um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, who... Yeah, I've seen women called Michael before. the first officer on the SS Discovery, mm-hmm. although the first episode... I would imagine the second episode, I don't know what's seen it yet. She's not on the Discovery yet. She's actually on the USS Shenzhou, captained by... Well, this is already breaking thingy by it being, like, the one character's story full stop. Yeah. Rather than being story of that ship, focusing usually on the captain as the central character. Well, maybe. That's nice. Um, no, but this is cool. That's also already a new, exciting way for them to do it. And the Shenzhou is, is captained by Michelle Yeoh's uh, Georgia Philippou. Oh, yeah. Is it Philippou? Yeah, because that was part of the confusion we got when we watched the trailer. We were like, I thought Jason uh, Isaacs was the captain in this show. Well, this makes sense. We don't start off with that ship. Awesome. I'm game. I'm no, Philippa Georgiou. Run way round. <laughs> <laughs> Question. Any of the ships that have appeared so far, are they a big disc with two little pokey bits sticking out the back? Um, the Shenzhou is a big disc. With... That's the Shenzhou. That's the, that's the oh, it's a very the... traditional Star yeah. Trek, like, but a bit white. Sort of bit wider. They're a bit more over. They're a bit. They're a bit close to the Enterprise designs yeah. than the original series. Designs. Which I wonder. I wonder if that was a, a, a nice co- conscious decision where yeah. we're going to see them become a little more simplified and grey, especially slick. in the um, in the uniforms. <clears throat> um, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I thought that when I first saw the uniforms, yeah. I was like, are they just Enterprise? They're Enterprise uniforms. But again, yeah, they're meant to. It's set between that and the original, so they have to be the um, transition. You've got Doug Jones as an as as. Science Officer Saru, who's an alien in lots of prosthetics. Doug Jones in prosthetics? Doug Jones. Um, I don't believe you. Uh, I so don't believe you, sir. Sonequa Martin, Sonequa Martin, Martin Green plays uh, Michael Burnham, and she's fantastic. Um, basically, she's... Um, a lady! She's a human. Whoa, 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 she's a lady. I'm staring at you so hard right now. And it makes me so hard. Um... She plays a human who was orphaned by Klingons and raised by Vulcans. Right. Wait, so she's Klingon? No. She's human. Oh, her... She was ah, orphaned her... by Klingons. Right, got you, okay. And raised by Vulcans. Listen to the words I'm yeah. fucking saying, Christopher! Um... <laughs> I'd just like to say, in his moment, in his moment of improvised rage, he was courteous enough to lean back from the microphone, <laughs> which because... sort of shattered the illusion slightly. Because I was like, "Good, oh, good, good mic technique, good mic because, technique." Because I'm a professional, dear boy. Um... <laughs> like, oh yeah, we're doing a podcast. All right, okay, um, that's, yeah. no, yes. So she's kind of, she's kind of balancing the lo- 
not to the same, not to like the same in the same way as Spock did. Yeah, um, but, but she's it, it but lends she that is... perspective of slight, slight cold logic is a part of her life. Yeah, to that emotionality. Um, so uh, basically, in the first episode, what happens is that they're on a routine mission, um, and they have to go and uh, repair a Federation communications thing, which has been damaged. Yeah, and they think the damage might not be accidental. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, proceed with caution. And it turns out there's a, a secret Klingon vessel, and it's the first time anyone the Federation's had contact with Klingons in a century, and things are about to go very hot in that Cold War. Yeah. Now these Klingons, um, from what I've they look understand is they, they, there's a different look, before. but it, it's it they're, they're making it very clear that it's like the species doesn't just have the one look. Like the original series, they just look like people. There was a certain sort of like colour scheme to the skin yeah, and the clothing yeah. and everything with a bit of makeup here and there. But then obviously Next Generation was like, nope, they've got the ridges and the longer foreheads. Ah, and... uh, the famous ridged foreheads of Star Trek aliens. Yeah. And then the, the the shit reboot design for the Klingons was just like they're wearing these helmets with ridges on the face and stuff because they appeared in Into Darkness briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a nice sort of, oh, maybe we're going to get a bit of Klingon. No. 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 Okay. Um do these guys sort of behave out of whack or is it because we're focusing on this specific kind of spe- part of the species? We've not seen any other Klingons apart from this small group of Klingons and it's okay. only the first episode yet, so... Okay. Uh, although... They certainly are like Klingons. Uh, I believe subtitles are optioned to Klingon. I believe so. On Netflix. I didn't which is great. Klingon subtitles. But... That's so good. Like, Netflix have basically jumped the gun and gone, we know someone's going to just do it on YouTube, so screw it, we'll give it to them what now. All the Klingons, <laughs> what all the Klingons do, which they don't always do in some of the other series, Yeah. all the Klingons talk in Klingon when there's only talking to Klingons. Right. Okay. They don't speak any English. They just speak Klingon with subtitles. Fair play. That so, makes sense. Um... Which will be in Klingon subtitles. I wonder so if when you watch it, the Klingon, the Klingon subtitles are, are uh, English instead. Yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> Just to mix it up. Um, but <laughs> it, it does that nice thing of like having long, unbroken scenes of just Klingons talking to other Klingons about Klingon things. Okay. Without any English in it. Okay. To make it very D- clear does that it... these are aliens and this is their I was going to say, does it flow well or is it a bit kind of like... No, it flows really well. It's really nice place okay. and it's a fucking great looking show. I mean, it's eight million an episode. Jesus! So they've spent some fucking money on Christ. this, and it looks, it looks the business. It looks the dog's bollocks. It really that is does. a freaking budget. Yeah, yeah. So um, well, Doctor Who's gonna die again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Doctor it's... Who will be disappearing within the next two years, and everyone will be like, "Why has that happened?" It's like, well, we've seen Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> it looks so much better. Yeah, and, I really enjoyed... those of us who were alive it in the looks... late eighties and early nineties will be going, "It's happening again." It's a fifteen-episode season that looks way better than anything Doctor Who's done in the, since it returned. Oh, oh, it makes me sad. Yeah, not Boomtown. Yeah. Boomtown, though. Yeah, Cardiff looks lush. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, and if it's as well written as the first episode promises, then it's going to be pretty fucking good. Good um, uh, yeah, like I said, the first two were on Netflix. I've only watched the first one. I enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to seeing more. This is comforting after a lot of controversy and the build-up to mm. it, like actors sort of saying stuff that made people go, "Wait, what?" Mm. Jason Isaacs, in particular, was like challenging people who didn't want to watch it to watch it, and also saying he doesn't care about the fans. He's just like I think he was, the way he's, when you read his comments, it's like he's basically trying to say, 
I'm, I don't care what anyone else is thinking. I just want to focus on bringing the script to life. Yeah. But the way he words it is, fuck everybody who's got reservations. I don't give a shit about them. It's like, oh, Jason, you should have worded that so much yes. better. It's not like Jason Isaacs to be a dick. Because so now there is a giant fan base. The benefit of the there is now a giant fan base who are, are preset to not like you. It is, it is like, in terms of tone, <laughs> it is Star Trek. Yeah. Like, it is optimistic, multicultural Star Trek. Yeah. It's the, about politics. It's about science. Yeah. There's some good and evil stuff playing there as well. But there it's is not the focus. There is some action in it. And like, mm. from what I've seen of, and heard of the first three episodes, it looks like it's going to be about the sort of ignition of the the Klingon Federation war that we saw play out through the original series and mm. right through the movies. Yeah. Um. So, it's going to have, it's going to have that military How's the theme song? Um, not it, much of a theme song. Is it kind of that weird short title sequence with an om- ominous chord? No, no, it's got it's got a full title sequence, but it's it's not grand and orchestral. Okay, well, I was going to say because that that's not necessarily the tradition of Star Trek. Like the original series wasn't the original series was very sci-fi. <laughs> Which Gene Roddenberry actually wrote lyrics for, or they never performed. So we could get a songwriting credit for it. It's literally something like Star Trek out there in the sky. Something like that, yeah. yeah it's, uh, they are out there. If you Google it, yeah, they're out there yeah. somewhere. Um, um, uh, 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 Next Generation, of course. Which really encapsulated that spirit of like, we're exploring space. For me, it really encapsulates the spirit of 6pm on a weekday after school. Yes. And it's time to watch the good TV. And then eventually 6.22pm, because The Simpsons came on at 6. Yes. Simpsons at six, next gen Buffy, Fresh Prince, or Lois and Clark at six twenty-five. So good. Um, so good. God, when BBC Two was a channel, people watched every day. <laughs> um, so that's good. Um, yeah, what was Voyager? Voyager was much slower. Du, du, du. Was it that one? No, that's Space Nine. That's Deep Space Nine. Voyagers was uh, something else. I can't remember. But yeah, but they were like en- big Enterprise was controversial. And that's a surprise because it was Watson. A, yeah, well, it was, but it was like sort of a country song. It's been a long road. It's a good song. Getting from there to here. But it was really jarring. Road. It was really jarring. But my time is finally here. I've got oh my faith God. in the stars. I'm going where my heart will take me. Yeah, it was alright. Oh my God. I didn't expect was, that to be a full rendition. Um, it was the best of times. Thing about it was the blurst of times. <laughs> um, that theme tune was the best thing. But about it also it. felt reactionary. Yeah. In a world where we just cruelly had Firefly shown to us and snatched away. So good. It almost felt like they were going, "Oh, that that show!" Like people really loved it, and they had like a country western sort of inspiring theme song. And it's like, yeah, because the theme song, keep... the theme song, sort of encapsulated what what the show meant. And it was Mal. It was Mal's thought process, basically, as yeah. a very quiet country song. Um, I keep thinking I should go back and watch Enterprise, but then I remember it was shit. Uh, my friend, my friend <laughs> Neil, uh, lent me the box set once, and he basically went right because I'd never watched any of it. Yeah. Uh, he said, "Right, here's my recommendation: watch the first few, just sort of get a feel. You probably won't love it. He really likes it, but like he really likes all of Star Trek. He was like, you, you won't love it." But you'll get a feel. There might be stuff you enjoy. And then skip series three and watch this two-parter. Then skip to series five and watch this episode, this episode, and this episode. Go. I was like, really? He was like, yeah. He was like, you'll be giving me back. You'll be giving that back to me in like a week. So and you'll you'll have seen the best stuff. Basically, one season's worth of good material. Yeah. And all that, yeah. yeah. There's, there's one. There's one where um, Brent Spiner plays the creator of of the uh, 
the, they do a lot. The the they do a Antara. lot of that. Of mm. like, this is stuff that in, the, in these first would create... two, in the first episode. There's some of that. Oh, no, no, Enterprise, in Enterprise, Enterprise. Right. we do a lot of that where it's like, yeah. this is stuff that should, we shouldn't really be touching on because it would contradict things that we that we know happen later. Yeah, but. It's elements from later series that people like, so we're going to do it anyway. There's like, Borg. There's I'm two guessing, Borg episodes, which makes no sense because the Borg are very much a next it's, generation it's era, sort of a part first of... contact sequel with like, <laughs> but that's also a prequel. Yeah. Oh god. Well, it's set before first contact in the present day, but after right. first contact in, in, the, in yeah. the past. Okay. So it's like the idea is it's like a, I think it's like a, I've not seen it. But I think it's like a thing pastiche with Borg at the North Pole or something. Ah. Um, because of course it is. The Borg, the, I know the Borg obviously were in Deep Space Nine and Voyager, but like they very much belong to next gen in terms of oh, like yeah, yeah. the impact they made. Especially the freaking, what was it, like uh, series two cliffhanger leading, yeah. and then Best which was worlds. Best of Both Worlds, which part one was the end of a season, yeah. and then part two was the start of the next yeah. season. So there was like a nine month wait. There was a lot of them in the 90s. The X Files did that nearly every season mm. after yeah. season two. Simpsons did it. I think Simpsons is the finest yeah. one. In, do... in terms of the cultural uh, phenomenon it became with Who Shot Mr. Burns. There's at least two X-Files season finales that end on the cliffhanger of Mulder being possibly dead. At least two. Yeah. But... If not more. Oh god, they're dead. Oh no, it's fine. They're actually alive. What a terrible idea for anything. Shall we talk about Kingsman the Golden Circle now? <laughs> Last Friday, <laughs> last Friday we settled down <laughs> in the cinema in our local in our oh. local uh, uh, moving picture house. Yeah, um, and watched Kingsman: The Golden Circle. <laughs> Tiny bit of background. I really, really love Kingsman: The Secret Service. I don't really, really love Kingsman: The Secret Service, but I really, really like Kingsman: The Secret Service. Ditto. Neither of us have read the source material. No, because I don't read Mark Miller books. No. This is Mark Miller. I still think you should... <laughs> hey! I still think you should read Marvel uh, 1985. That's worth a read. I'll probably but, read um, but yeah, that was before he started to hate the world and everything around him, I guess. But, um... I think his recent work has been more optimistic. Things like um, Jupiter Ascending and... Um, Superior? Jupiter Ascending? Jupiter... Not Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter's... <laughs> Legacy? Yeah, yeah, Jupiter, fucking Jupiter ascending. Jupiter ascending is pretty great. You should watch. Jupiter oh, ascending. shut up! Like you saying that means any opinion we now give on Kingsman one or two after this, they're no. gonna go. Jupiter... They're gonna be listening and going, "What the fuck does he know?" <laughs> Jupiter ascending is an awful clusterfuck of a film, yeah. but it's really fun. I think that's the best. It's I think, really fun. I think that's the thing you need to keep in mind, dear listener, as we proceed with this review. That sometimes things can be bad, but there's still stuff to enjoy in the things that are bad. Yeah. We'll get to Yeah, that. there is. Um, there is. I'm sorry. There, there is stuff to dig, specifically one punchline, which we'll touch on in the spoiler section. But, um, yeah, so I, I but I, I genuinely really loved Kingsman the Secret Service. Uh, I think a lot of that was to do with uh, Lucy was going in for a big operation on a, on a knee on, like, um, Sunday, the 1st of February, 2015, something like that. Give so, the exact date, why don't you? Well, it was something like that, because the, I remember it very keenly, because I, I was doing Shout Out Saturday that morning at CBBC, and then we met up, and because, essentially, she was going to spend the next two days in hospital, and then spend the next four weeks, like, couch-bound, for the most part. Yeah! Yes! Um, we were like, well, if this is going to be your last chance to go to the cinema for, like, a month and a half... Let's do a twofer. Let's double dip and see what's on. So we went to the the view at the Lowry across from Media City, and we basically just picked two films. 
And those two films were two films that had come out in the last week. One was Big Hero 6. Oh, so good. And the other was Kingsman The Secret Service. Pretty good. And we came out of it going, wow, that was a really good double bill. Like, as, as, as a going to the cinema, like, throwing a freaking two darts at the wall and having a snack between it. Like, it turned out to be a really cool That's double bill. That's a pretty fucking good pair right there. So, I reckon. we obviously spent... What enough of my breasts? What of the movies? Oh. After like that, obviously, a pair of plastic tits. After that, we were sort of it was like, wow, what a really like could have we could have seen shitty films. So I've always loved it for that. And then when we got it on home video, I was like, no, I really really like it. So the point I'm making is like, you had fun with it. I really enjoyed it. Jesus, these were these were our expectations. <laughs> it went on so long. Yeah. When a sequel was announced, it was these were our expectations of oh cool. Like yes. how were you feeling when you knew? Golden Circle was was a thing that was going to happen. Were you like, oh, cool? Or were you like, all right? Yes. Well, I'm down for a sequel. Because I I sort of felt, I'm happy that we're getting more of this world, but I enjoyed the first one so much, I know I will not enjoy a second one as much, whether because of their execution or whether because it just doesn't have the same connection with me of like that really cool first viewing, etc., same way like when I watch The Avengers yeah. I, I get that feeling back of watching it that first week in a cinema so and that good. feeling that came with it Day of the Doctor Day of the Doctor is not great but there is so like it's good I think so and there's I think... some really great stuff in it but like it's one of those that like when I rewatch it I still kind of get that feeling of I really like this because I remember watching it the first time but then go, go to go to Avengers and then go yeah. to Age of Ultron and you see oh, yeah. diminishing returns absolutely because the Age of Ultron doesn't have that same thing and the stuff you do enjoy is more just the camaraderie yeah, rather yeah. than anything other than outside of that because at least that's top notch but it's certainly a lesser sequel yes oh I still quite like it it's good for Marvel Marvel in terms of the MCU have not made a bad film not yet they've made a couple of meh they've made a few yeah I guess it's fine and then like oh these are really good ranging from really good to fucking amazing based on your opinion um Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier is so good. Winter Soldier Guardians is the best of the Galaxy one. 2. And Guardians of the Galaxy 1. I think yes. Winter Soldier and yeah, the two yeah, Guardians absolutely. movies are probably the best ones they've they've made. See, one's one's good because if it's it comes out of nowhere and it's bonkers and all that stuff. Mm. Then two's really good because of it's it's a bonkers movie with real heart. Yeah. Well, that could have been the formula Kingsman went with because the first Kingsman yeah. was a bonkers movie that came the fuck out of nowhere and disguised this... as a super slick spy movie with sort of a chubby yeah. kid in it and you're like what's this going to be about and you came out of it going oh my god that was a Roger Moore Bond film with an 18 certificate and this movie is bonkers also mm. but the heart isn't there no so uh, Kingsman the Golden Circle Last movie was a My Fair Lady, you know, yeah. like that that sort of yeah. story of 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 you know the Prince and the Pauper in a way, like of you know bringing up someone from one background and and getting them into it. Eggsy being the chav who's sort of his life. He's clearly a bright kid. He's clearly got very good skills, but he's using them for crime. He's just like you know he's got an abusive stepdad and like he's in a really shitty place. And then Harry sort of sees the talent he's got. And Harry's part of the Kingsman, you know, this this secret service. It's in the fucking title! Harry knew his father. Um, Harry knew his dad. Yeah, but like he sees that he, he, he the, the, that sort of ambition is very much present in Eggsy the Sun. Yeah, yeah. So it's this whole thing of, right, I'm bringing you into the fold. It's turning a chav into James Bond. And the missions that they go on are as elaborate and as weird as old school, like very much Roger Moore era James Bond films. 
but the violence is shockingly real. Sometimes for cartooning effect, sometimes for blunt, oh fuck, kind of reaction. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, if someone did a, a Roger Moore James Bond comic book, knowing that kids weren't going to buy it, so they were a little edgier, that's kind of what the first Kingsman feels like to me. Um, with oh, a really it... nice character driven narrative at the core of it, Eggsy's story. Is is the heart and soul of that movie? Although it does occasionally veer into away from edginess and into edge lord territory. Yes, i.e. the infamous line, the bum note. <laughs> yeah, the perfect. bum note. Yeah. A, a line which is very funny in its moment, but then the follow up to it. Isn't, it though. Mm, I don't know. I, I mean, again, comedy subjective. Uh and it's not the most hilarious joke in the movie, and it's not a particularly hilarious joke in general. But I'm not upset by the whole, and if you save the world, we do it in the asshole. You had to say it, didn't you? Yes, because, for context, that I find that funny simply because I remember that first time going, what? And his his face is the punchline to me, not what she says. It's his sort of like, yeah, no, slight no. shock, then straight back to kind of, like, but all very subtle, straight shock, then back to sort of suave, like, you know, and his, the whole delivery of, I will be right back. And then off he goes. That I enjoyed. It's it's the next bit I really that left me with a weird taste. A weird taste in the mouth. (laughs) Not too offensive, just not funny. No, a bit crass. Yeah. Um, But then again, you look back at those Roger Moore Bonds. They are kind of crass in those moments. (laughs) I think what happens is when they get to the Edge Lord territory, they stop being Roger Moore and they think they're Sean Connery. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. Um. Like, because you know, some of the, con- the the sexual stuff in the Connery Bond movies and the and the sort of interaction with sexual stuff in Bond in women. general still to this day, yeah, like, it's yeah. not cool, yeah, it's not cool, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I think Sky- cool Skyfall, Skyfall, Casino Royale, and Skyfall. I think were the last ones where I watched where I was like, okay, this doesn't feel creepy. This sort of feels like all the characters are mutually are very much a part of everything that's going on to them yeah, and they're making they decisions. Sleeps with bad guys' wives and then they get killed straight away after. And... Does that happen in those two? I was in Casino Royale, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, of course. But then again, like the stuff like in the shower, like they deviated. Normally in an older Bond film, it would have been like, she's crying in the yeah, shower yeah, yeah. and it would have led immediately to a sex scene. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't. And I was like, I respect that so freaking much. You guys are actually trying to change this a bit. This is well, good. Then it's still but then Spectre it, yeah. does it. Oh, Spectre, Spectre really yeah. bad for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's yeah. like, oh, you've not learned. But anyway, yeah. um, la 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 la. Uh, Kingsman parodies that, but then occasionally parodies it in a way where they're almost getting there too. You almost, you almost get a sense that someone, be it Jane Goldman, the screenwriter, be it Matthew Vaughn, the director, be it whoever's editing, be it Mark Miller in, in the in the screenings, like going, yep, yeah, definitely do that. Someone sat there rubbing their crotch, going, oh yeah, this is funny and hot. And it's like, no, it's not. It's not either of those things. It's just uncomfortable now. Yeah. There is several instances of that in this movie. They've turned it up to 11. Yeah, like they took that moment from the first film and they have brought it to the forefront in this, which is sad. Eggsy is still, I think, the heart and soul of the movie. Yeah. But last time we were with him, this time we're watching him in action. Like we're observers now. We're not on a journey with him. Yeah. Yeah. they play with the fact that he's a very real kind of guy in a make-believe world again a bit more by bringing some interesting tropes like there is a bit in this where they do the old James Bond trope of he's got to sleep with the enemy's partner to learn something or more than that we'll get into that don't you freaking worry they certainly got into it Um, Um, 
But like there was a unique spin on that where he's feeling guilty and he goes to the bathroom first and phones his girlfriend to basically ask her permission, saying, I don't want to do this, but I have to. But if you don't want me to do it, I will stop. His I'll find you. Who is, way. by the way, Princess Tilda from the end of the first movie. Yeah. Which the two of them try very hard to make really sweet. But it just feels weird because it's like, wait, the the the, the bumhole girl. The, the butt sex girl. This is the love interest that we need to take seriously and emotionally invest in. Really? Um, that Especially also... when they do a callback to it later on. Yeah. Like, oh. Which would I think I would have almost forgiven had his response to her saying it been like, come on, babe, that's inappropriate. Like sort of referencing how people reacted to it without... And... I would have gone sort of, okay, you're acknowledging you made a boo-boo. But then we would have still had the Glastonbury scene. And, and I so... I think, from what, I've, <laughs> from what I've seen and read of interviews from the cast and crew and stuff like that, I think Taron Egerton's not that into that side of the character. You watched the Mark Commode yeah, review, didn't yeah, yeah. you? Because he watched that and he says, yeah. I get a feeling Taron Egerton didn't like that. And I was like, what does he mean? And I, I did the same yeah, as you. Yeah. I went and watched the Taron, uh, listened yeah. to the Taron Egerton interview. And then I... But then yeah. I, but then I and, but then reading like stuff with Matthew Vaughan, mm. Matthew Vaughan is very, very into, into that stuff. Yeah, Matthew so... Matthew Vaughan is the guy who decided um, Angel had to be a stripper in first class. Pretty yeah. much like this is sort of coming out, and, and I think I think it's I think it's a mix of Matthew Vaughan and Jane Goldman. I think they have a style because it's very much present in the fight. The six move well, not the six. Stardust doesn't really have it. No, but um, but kick- I think that's more to do with the source material. Yeah, the Kickass movies, the Kingsman movies, and X Men First Class. It's definitely present that, in that all That stuff of is them. also present to a degree in Kick-Ass and Kingsman, the source material, because it's yeah, Mark Miller book. because it's Mark Miller. Now, this, but, there are, but there are suggestions of stuff like that in First Class, which obviously was bound to the X-Men universe, but there's still these hints. There's plenty of that. Like, the the fa- book, like really. they don't really do the Hellfire Club, but Emma Frost is still walking around in that like weird corset cape thing with her tits up all the time. It's January Jones, isn't it? Who is fucking terrible in that movie? Um, awful, so bad in the movie. But but anyway, like it's this whole. But exactly, but it's like why would you? Why would she be in there? Why is she in the marketing? Like why would you put focus on performance that isn't very good? Unless of course they're getting a kick out of how she <laughs> looks and like, yeah. Well, unless they're getting a kick out of the the vibe of the character and the look of the character because it's the only way in an X Men movie they could sort of go. Well, let's put something a bit sordid in there. Yeah, this this movie. Right, my, there, my, there, there is a greasy feeling to these my, films. This is this is what I'm going to say on on Kingsman Golden Sun before we get. To because yeah. because you guys are probably thinking those of you who haven't yeah. watched it who just want us to give a review pre-spoiler you're probably thinking why are they just going on about how uncomfortable it makes yeah. you feel it's because this is such a dominating tone this is this what movie. I'll say about Kings from the Golden Circle yeah there is fun stuff in this movie absolutely yeah it's as a film it's okay yeah but it is not as good as the first one and the good stuff in it is overshadowed by structural flaws mm. being too similar to the first one and this sort of greasy, sleazy smear over the whole thing that just... It makes you it feel just... It makes you feel like you didn't sit in a cinema screen to watch it. You handed it in a brown paper bag to the projectionist yeah, and then you've yeah. gone in to watch it yourself. It's, in a way... It's, it's top it's, shelf, not in quality, but in content. It's the perfect archetypal sequel in if, a franchise. It's not as good as the last one, and overindulges in the stuff it thinks you want to see. If you're a hot, if you're a horny fourteen-year-old boy who <laughs> thinks that it's cool to go on Twitter and respond to things by saying stuff like "lol," triggered, and <clears throat> shit like that, you'll have a whale of a time. You'll yeah. have the best time. 
if you were a big fan of the first, there is definitely stuff here to enjoy. I say that as someone who has outright there said, absolutely is I love the enjoy. first movie. Yeah, there absolutely stuff here, yeah. here to enjoy. And, and I, do, I am is, glad I saw it. Yeah. And tonal issues and taste issues, like it getting fixed or down the line, yeah. if we were to get a Kingsman movie every two years and it become an, an almost James Bondian franchise, as long as they tweak those things and made it feel less dirty, I would happily have three star pictures you know what I mean yeah. in this world every two years but also like structurally mm. it's a bit of a mess I don't it felt like a Roger Moore bond to me in that sense like it was it world, world hopped in a way yeah structurally a bit of a mess yeah so right. if it's going to carry on it needs to find its own identity and give more winks and nods to the things it, it's parodying and based on so I know I, I agree with you there. I think it's, it's like, it's like it, I think it's doing can't... the GTA thing of of, of, of <laughs> stopping being the thing it's satirizing and just actually becoming. <laughs> Stop satirizing something and actually becoming the thing it's satirizing. Like it's doing that. No, that's the basically. that's the 80th time you've slagged off liberals. There, game. You uh, starting to feel like you're actually hating on liberals. Full stop. Now doing the South Park. South Park doing yes. the same thing. Really, I find it more uncomfortable I'm, in South Park than I do I'm GTA. I'm really but, uncomfortable with a lot of the stuff. But only because GTA out. is that one thing that's contained within that 30 hours where South Park keeps going I'm really on. uncomfortable yeah. about some of the stuff that's coming out about Fractured Butthole. Mm. Not because I find it particularly offensive, just because I think it's not being handled very well. It's like, by parodying, by taking the piss out of something in that way where they're doing it, it's getting to the point where you're like, we know you don't believe in the thing you're taking the piss out of, but it almost feels like your product is becoming that now. Yeah. You pretend to be it so much. So yeah, like you say, if this keeps being Roger Moore with this extra dirty, greasy it's thing... It's becoming Roger it's Moore. Gonna, one, it's going to yeah. be that. Yeah. Um, I give it three stars because it's a very well-made movie with a lot of fun bits in it. It is really nice seeing some characters again, specifically uh, Merlin, Mark Strong. Yeah. Um, it is nice to... You feel genuinely Merlin and, and Eggsy's... Um, elation when they they say in a spoiler it's in the trailers uh when you see harry again like that is the the interplay between those three during that especially from eggsy and, and Apparently Matthew Vaughan is a lot of fun very hard for it not to be in the trailers yes he did but because fox will be fox yeah but at the same time like i we'll get into this in spoilers but i i almost as lovely as it is to see colin firth in that role again yeah. even though he's sort of not quite the same and there's a reason for that um I would still rather him not have been in it mm. because it sort of cheapens something that I loved about the first film. Like, yeah. it's one thing you can say about Mark Millar's work and Matthew Vaughan's work, whether it be for good or bad, they've got balls in that they go, fuck it, do it, let's just do it. Yeah. Now, it isn't always for the best reasons. No, no. Other than, oh, people will talk about this, it's shocking. So, but Harry's the- Harry's death in the first Kingsman... Yeah was ballsy because it wasn't even like it was at the end of the second act yeah and he was the thing during that as the movie was going on the movie was very much made up of two central pieces Eggsy story and how fucking cool Harry was yeah and then Harry's gone so it's like oh my god so you go along with Eggsy in that slightly vengeance driven like defeat of the bad guys in the third act yeah bringing him back kind of cheapens that a bit yeah um, I mean, now you could obviously imagine they are separate entities, and this is a this is a what if what what happened next maybe, which which is a nice way to think about it if you especially like characters who are shat on such as Roxy, or um, 
Michael Gambon is the new leader of the Kingsman in this movie. He's the new Arthur. Uh, There is not enough of these two characters in the movie. And it's like, well, that sucks because it would have been great to see Michael Gambon. They've obviously cast Gambon the same way they cast John Hurt in Doctor Who. With a, we need someone who would believably go, of course they'd be in this position. Yeah. Um, uh, And, you know, like Roxy, especially after her story sort of is a subplot. And then she comes back to take part in the really cool finale in the first one. You are geared to see more of her and her story is not in this one. And that sucked. The Statesmen are introduced, an American version of the Kingsman. Again, they have cast it with actors to make you go, of course they'd be in that role. And then they are not utilised. Well, let's get into spoilers then so we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, one final thing. Uh, Julianne Moore is clearly having fun playing the villain. She is not utilised. No, she, I I enjoy her performance. Mm -hmm. She is tremendously poorly written. Yeah. And and under, just, they're just underused. They're yeah. underused. Like I would forgive slightly terrible dialogue writing Will we at least see more of them because then the actor could at least kind of get across their interpretation yeah. of the character that's in there. Um, there are some really nifty set pieces uh, like the cab chase at the beginning is really freaking cool. But like the black cab chase. Long. It goes a bit too long. Yeah, for an introductory sequence it goes on too long. Yeah. Um, but it, it, there's some nice stuff in there and it's a freaking Prince song as well. Which is, which is, but this is rare because, like, now that he's passed away, the laws on the use of his music are looser. So people are going, fuck it, I want a Prince song in the movie. Um, it was never top Batman. Yep. The use of Prince songs. Well, yeah, that's true. Because they barely use them. They're just in the background. Apart from Party Man and Trust. Party Man and Trust are, like, all up in that, his A. The rest of them are just hidden. Like, the future's playing on a stereo at the beginning in the background. I was like, what? Um, so great album. Um, Taron Egerton is, again, the reason why it's, I think, worth a visit if you like the first one, because he's so very watchable. I kind of hope this is his last one um, for the future of the franchise. If they are going to go forward, I think it would be sensible to not bring Eggsy along. I also want to see Taron Egerton in other things. Yeah. Because um, he's freaking great. He's doing Robin Hood, though. Yes, he is. But still, I want to. I want to. I want to be in some more original. I want to be in original. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Original things. Um, like this. Watching this has made me go right. I need to get my finger out my ass. I need to watch Eddie the Eagle. Yeah, I need to watch it because I want to see him in more things. And this was a freaking tiny little. It's sort of the independent movie that could. Like, it's a tiny little sports movie that stars Taron Egerton and Hugh Jackman. Well, it's not that like, independent, because Matthew Vaughn produced it. Yeah. But it was, it, 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 was, it was one of those quiet release, yeah. like, January sneak it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it, it, it makes me want to see more of him. Um, there is a, a really freaking cool um, uh, sort of series of fights in the final act that are very enjoyable to watch. But go on a bit too long. But go on a bit too long and overutilize <laughs> they underutilize the actors, overutilizes our nostalgia for the most impressive set piece from the first movie. Yeah. Because suddenly everything is shot the same as the church sequence from the first movie now. Yeah. And it's really um, distracting. It's really distracting. It doesn't suit everything. No. Had they saved it for the very last physical altercation in the movie, I think it would have worked better because we all would have been like, yeah, like stick it to the bad guys. Um, one of the statesmen, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but the fellow from Narcos and uh, Game, of, Game of Thrones. Pedro Pascal. I think he's probably the, outside of the three we know, he's probably the best other performance in the movie. Because he's yeah. belie- he, he's sort of like, wow, like I like you could imagine there being a states a separate statesman film, you know, set in the past or whatever, where he would be your lead. Do you know? Yeah. He'd be the he'd be the freaking cool lead. I mean, he's just um, really good. 
Yeah. Like... So, the, yeah. Um, brace yourself for some robots. And three star for me. If I had something up in a noise. Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it to. Fair play. Everyone I'm will go. On it everyone will go. That's a horrible review. That's four out of ten. That is not a low. Sc- it's a lower score. It is a low score, but it's it's close to average. So um, there you go. Let's get into spoilers. So let's do get spoilers. My teeth into this. Um, or your finger into it, rather. Look, the Glastonbury scene is fucking terrible. It's fucking terrible. Yeah. Like well, the the tent specifically. I think the bit before it's quite yeah. funny because it shows that this charming little chap yeah, kid yeah. is still charming. Like he can go up to like a really posh, has her own massive tent set up at Glastow, like chick, and woo her so effortlessly because he's just a charming guy. Then it gets into the tent. So Eggsy has to insert a tracker <sighs> into this woman. This woman is the girlfriend. Of Charlie, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, Charlie back as the sort of henchman in this. Yeah, he's the henchman to the villain. Um, turns out his head... And I think their explanation for why he didn't die was, like... Yeah. I wonder if they did that on purpose. Like, Charlie in the last movies, obviously, he's he's got the the chip in his head or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And he's there. Then he's the one who uncovers what Eggsy's doing in the lair at the end of the last one. And Eggsy, like, electrocutes him with the watch or whatever, takes him out. Um... This movie reveals that when that happened, Eggsy shorted out the chip in his head. So when yeah. everyone's head blew up in the last one, which again, like in the last one, it's that weird, slightly sinister, like slightly macabre feeling to everything. Like hundreds of thousands of people's heads exploded in the first one. Yeah. But it's cool because they were all dickheads who were willing to sell out everyone else to die. Yeah, pretty much. So it's, it's, yeah, but even, even Obama, like it's not Obama, but it's suggested to be Obama dies. Yeah. And like a British royals die and all this stuff. Basically, the electric thing shot out his chip, so he's still alive. Mm. Cool little note, because it means he can come back in this with his arm blown off, uh, and now a robot arm, and he's he looks more like a sort of a chav. Like, they sort of, when he first appears, yeah, they yeah. dress him specifically to look chavvy, when he was the posh, like, you know, the, the sort of, uh, you know, Oxford Cambridge boy in the last yeah, one. Prick. Um, prick. So that was kind of a nice touch. But it's his girlfriend, and... It's a spy trope turned modern. Like they find yeah, out yeah. where she is. They find they know she's his girlfriend because she's like Instagram pictures of them together, and she instas everywhere yeah, she goes, yeah. so they know where to find her to put the tracker on her. Yeah, that was a, that was a neat touch because it was like you're right. Like modern day, it wouldn't be. Oh, we've had people tailing them for a while. It's yeah, she fucking said where she was on Twitter. So yeah. we're gonna go yeah. there now. Um. It's the putting the tracker on her that was fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. So it needs to be in the mucous membranes that it doesn't like leave the body. She can't swallow it in a glass because if she swallows it in a glass, she could piss it out or mm. poop it out. Um, so it needs to be in the mucous membrane. So when they first set that up, I was like, all right, so he's going to snort. It's going to be like a tongue in thing. It's going to be a joke about tongue in. He's going to yeah, have to yeah. get it in a, a mouth like good and proper or something. And Eggsy sort of like, what, do you want me to walk up to him and stick my finger up her nose? And it's like, oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah. That would have been a funny sequence. Would have been a funny Finding sequence. a way to discreetly stick his finger up her nose. Yeah. But here's the thing. Jane Goldman and, and um, Matthew Vaughan have sat down and conceived a sequence. In their sequence, they have decided that it's a tracker inserted through the mucous membrane. Could have been attached to an item of clothing. Could have been, uh, I don't know, like they, they toy with nanobots in this movie. They make suggestions about nanobots at one yeah. point. Yeah. So it could be a nanobot that stays on her or goes into her somehow and stays there. 
it could be anything as simple as freaking like like he gets her to drink something and whatever that thing is it will stay in her stomach a bit longer no matter yeah, what yeah. there are ways that they wrote this scenario they wrote the scenario but i i would imagine that they wrote the scenario <laughs> with the punchline in mind yes. that he would have to finger banger yes Exy has to insert the tracker through her vagina yeah okay kind of gross but you're playing on the Roger Moore spy trope. Mm. Maybe they're going to have sex and he's going to wear a condom, for example, that inserts the tracker into her. No, That's no, still no, sleazy, no, but it's still fitting within the James Bond aesthetic. No, 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 no. But then, of course, they add the thing of him calling his girlfriend. Yeah. So you can't get away with the charming, suave, like, you know, oh, oh, he slept with her because it literally put a tracker on her. Mm. No, you're already playing with a different twist on it with the girlfriend and getting permission. So whatever you do, you have decided this is what you're doing. And you've decided that he's going to wear a finger condom and stick a nano tracker in him. Okay. There are ways to do this, but it's still sleazy. You either own up to your sleaze and try and play on it, making the audience uncomfortable, or you find a different way to do it. But you've chosen to go for it. Mm. What you don't do is over-exy your pudding. Oh, and boy, did they over-exit their pudding. With the camera following the finger all the way down there in a way where you're just like, everyone's going to come out going, that was so shocking. It was so cool. Here's the thing, guys. The Miller, Goldman, Vaughn triptych, they've been trying to recapture that, okay, you cunts, let's do this from Kick-Ass, ever yeah. since Kick-Ass. The moment where everyone goes, oh, that bit where that happened! Can you believe it? difference with that is, that was shocking and, like, in an entertaining way mm. in Kick-Ass. Mm. Because it was hilarious and surprising to hear a ten-year-old girl say that line. Yeah. This is a close-up of someone finger-banging somebody to put a tracker in them, and then the camera following the microchip going into their vagina. Yeah. It's just unnecessary. Like, mm-hmm. And, like, it's not offensive, it's just not funny. Yeah, it, it, it's offensive... Because they think it's funny. Yeah. It's offensive to me personally because they think it's funny. But... I think that's the worst crime. I think that's the worst moment in the movie in terms of its it, its crimes it's committed because it does that thinking, you're going to love this. Do you know what I mean? This movie's two and a half hours long nearly. Yes, it is. Two hours and 20 minutes. Which can fly by. It is nearly two hours, two and a half hours long. And that yeah. flies by. Um, but this... Spider-Man Homecoming is two and a half hours long. That yeah, flies this by. it feels too long. Mm. It feels too long. Yeah. The um, action sequences are too long. I'll tell you, I don't think it's the action sequences the problem. I think it's the padding between. How many times did we have them stood in the corridor at Statesman, stood in Harry's room, stood in the corridor, stood in the lab? Why did we have to have a scene with Merlin and Halle Berry's character where we learn that Halle Berry's character wants field action? Oh, we had it because there's a payoff at the end where she decides, she says, like, I'd like to be a statesman. And they go, okay. It's like, right, cool. This wasn't an arc. We don't feel triumphant because we don't really know her character or give a fuck about her. No. You've cast Halle Berry to make us give a fuck, but we need more than that. Channing Tatum's not in it enough. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Like, Channing Tatum is, and and which is disappointing because when you first meet him, you go, there could be some fun, like, um, rivalry interplay here with this character in Hexy. Yeah. But then he's gone. And instead, so the rivalry disappears. The, the interplay comes from between Whiskey and, and Exit. 
Whiskey is perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Up until he isn't. Because it turns out whiskey uh, isn't a double age. I mean, that was nice when Harry just shoots him point blank in the face. Yeah. And Eggsy's like, why the hell have you done that? And he's like, he's a double agent. It's like, you have no proof that you've killed a statesman. What is wrong with you? But I like that because I was like, you can play around with, as Harry made it, as, is Harry doing this in his delirium? Yeah. Or has he spotted something? Because he's right. Like, whiskey did knock the antidote out of Eggsy's hand and break it in a way where he, that could have been very easily avoided. Mm-hmm. Like, so they reveal that, yes, he is a double agent, but he's not a double agent working for the bad guys. He's working for himself because he wants to get rid of druggies. And then he reveals, and also, people will buy more alcohol if no one's buying drugs. And I have shares in the Statesman Whiskey Company. It's like, sorry, what? What the fuck? It would have been less naff had he just turned out to be a double agent. Yeah. That would have been more like, okay. Now he's a bad guy. Up until that point, I quite like whiskey, but he's too, mm. he's too. There's not enough friction between him and Exit for it to make for it to make compelling drama. It's just like no, they get on well. Okay, they, they get, get on, on really well. And we do stuff together, and it's fine. And then, which would make sense if he was a main character for a majority of the movie. Yeah, and then you get the twist of oh shit, he was working thingy. But you know, you chose to do the kill him off early thing and play the Harry card of Willy Wonka. What this movie does is it tries to do oh that'd be cool if we do this. But then it goes, oh, but before then we'll do this. Mm. Which completely offsets the latter thing. I think... We, both, we said this before with, both. like, the, um... What do you call it? There's another thing where, it, like, by setting that up... Like, I don't know. There's, there's, there's plenty of that. It's like, we want Exit to have a personal stake. So, so the person, like, the, the plot is, like, you know, that Julianne Moore has poisoned the drugs so that it's yeah. going to kill people a certain way within a she's, certain time period. She's the world's biggest drug lord, but she wants to go legit and be recognised for it. Yeah. She's already making billions which is, and Which billions. is a very sort of stupid super villainy plot. So that's... I didn't hate that, but I hated the fact that it almost was played off not as her going, I want to be respected for the work I've done. Yeah. It played off more as, I want to be famous. It is one of those things where... Yeah. It, the, the the motivations and the plot in this movie mm. are one of those things that just fall... Like Star Trek Into Darkness. Mm. It, as soon as you start thinking about it... Yeah. Falls apart. It falls apart falls completely apart. to the point where you can't really put it back together again and, yeah. and have fun with it because yeah. it's just gone. <sighs> so it works as a one-off movie. You watch mm. it once, have a decent time with it and think about it and go, actually, I don't want to watch that again ever. I'd watch it again. because, but the best and the I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to wait for it to be in like the two for ten oh, pounds yeah, yeah. sort of release thing and pick it up again. I'd it's happily a, watch it again, but I'm not in a rush to watch. It's it It's one of those again. movies where it's the best and the worst things in it come from that attitude of let's just throw everything at this movie yeah. and have it be bonkers and put every idea in it that we've got. Let's 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 clarify. If you're listening to this, it's because you don't care about spoilers or because you've already seen it and you're curious about our opinion. Mm-hmm. So for the sake of for the sake of balance, good Sir Matthew, yeah. Let's list the stuff we like in Kingsman the Golden Circle. Elton John. Which not everybody did, but you know, I really I, like the I Elton John I partly stuff. agree with you. Yeah. I wish there was less Elton John, because there were like three key moments where he was fucking great, that really effective. When he first appears is a neat little touch. Yeah. When you establish that the dogs won't attack him is a neat touch. Yeah. And then... Rocket Man, burning us. Like, had it was were it just those three moments, I think I I would love yeah. it. As it stands, I'm like, it's fun. The fight scene was a bit much. Yeah, but I still enjoy it for the for the again for the sheer audacity of it. Oh yeah, of Elton John high kicking someone in the mm. face, karate style. 
Um, and I'd be like, Wednesday! Wednesday! Isn't it Saturday? What day is it? Wednesday. <laughs> and then he beats the shit out of them. I, th- I think it was a bit much, but I didn't hate it because he plays it with such conviction. And they land the punchline. The Rocketman punchline is they fucking phenomenal. It. It's, it's, the, it's the best gag in the whole ah, film. I would say it's joint best gag. What's the best gag? For some reason, making film? a hand that looks like I'm holding a joint. Um, I would make, I'd say it's the joint best gag. What's the best gag? Well, one of them is that. But the other one is the, um, what's it? Uh, the airlift sequence where the airlift at the ski slopes has been broken. It's sliding down the hill. And the way that they managed to stop it from, from crashing is uh, Eggsy smashes open the glass. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Whiskey's got a parachute on, so he lets the parachute off and it slows down. As it's doing this, there is, like, obviously a big ski lodge at the bottom, oh, yeah, specifically yeah. with a retirement community. Yeah, yeah. And the two old guys, it keeps quitting between Eggsy and Whiskey, screaming. And these two old guys, who seem to be the only two who have really noticed this thing's going to kill them, yeah. also screaming. Like, obviously unable to move because they're sat there hooked up to oxygen tanks yeah, and they're yeah. on their blankets and one of them's in a wheelchair. Like, they're going nowhere. The timing of the delivery of the punchline's perfect where the thing stops and it doesn't even give you a moment to breathe before the other guy goes, that's the best shit I've had in three months. Three weeks. Three weeks. It's you like... It, Chris, you yeah. fucked me delivery. But well, I was never going to be as funny um, as he is. That... Actor's delivery is fucking phenomenal yeah. in that moment. Yeah, it's a bit that of... made me piss. I was laughing for about a minute solid after that moment. It's a bit of a juvenile gang, but the timing sells. Yeah, it's it's completely the time, and it's the fact that like in the movie, in these big action movies where someone like just stops the thing from crashing or whatever, like everyone on me goes like, oh! and then the action carries on. This took a moment to just be like, no, this old person shit himself. Yeah, <laughs> but he's delighted about it. Wonderful. He's delighted um, that he shit himself. I loved that. Yeah. But that being said, mm. the action sequence leading up to that on the cable car yeah. goes on a bit too long. A bit too long. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, Charlie, I liked. I liked the actor that could, clearly was having fun getting his teeth around playing the villain. Yeah. Um, because by the end of the first movie, Charlie's gone, fuck it, I was going to be a hero. No, I'm not. Screw it. I, I hate the good guys. I wish the good guys are dead. I do like that Eggsy beats him with one hand tied behind his back. Yeah, like makes it a fair fight. I love Charlie's death. Yeah. Because that is one thing I really do love about these movies. The heroes don't... There's not a moral conundrum. They're yeah. like, oh, that bad guy has to die. Okay, I'm going cool. to kill them. Yeah. Um, like, I'm going to make it as quick and discreet as I can. Oh, I can't do that. We're going to have to have a fist fight. Cool, let's do it. I love how Eggsy just... Like, basically says to Charlie, this is for, like, freaking... Everyone, yeah. He names his dog and, like, Roxy and, and everyone back home him. and, and everybody. Just snaps Charlie's neck. Love that. Like, I love those blunt moments. I... I quite like Julianne Moore's introduction. Yeah. They just never really go anywhere with it. No. Her introduction essentially is like her recruiting these two henchmen. One henchman's brought another one to her and they're in the 50s diner in the middle of the jungle. I don't know if I... Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I spent the whole thing going, I know who that is. I know who that is. Who is it? Um, I I don't know if I hate her lair design and everything. I think I like it. I like it. I just sort of, I almost feel like they're trying too hard, but I still like the visuals. Well, yeah, it, well, I think it's it's not the 50s, it's 80s nostalgia oh, yeah, for no, the no, 50s. It's not inconsistent from that point of view, yeah, no, oh, yeah, it, yeah. it is 80s nostalgia for 50s. Hence that John, he's like yeah. the cherry on top. But it's, it's things like the robots. I don't trust... There needed to be more of the, of the robotic stuff to sort of sell you on I that. I don't trust people, I only trust robots. Here right. at my hideout. Here's my robot dog. My henchman's my got two robot, robot dogs. And a robot salon. And a robot salon assistant. And a load of henchmen. Yeah. Human henchmen. 
what it needed, I think we said this after the film, it needed a tinkerer. Yeah, it needed, yeah. like, here's her tech guy. Yeah, yeah. So it's more like, oh, cool, they're blending styles. Okay, fair enough. And just, like, one more supervillain who that was their specialty. Yeah. Not, like, a main villain, but, like, he's her... He's a her... villain. Yeah. He, he <laughs> like, Beastman to, to her Skeletor. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I can, like, well, like, that's, that's Beastman. <laughs> that's Beastman. <laughs> more like Evelyn. She's Skeletor. Okay. She needed All an right. Evelyn. Um, right. Charlie wasn't Evelyn level. No. Charlie didn't. was Beastman level. He was more, yeah. Charlie was Trapjaw, whatever he's called. It was the, go- the one um, whose eyes go out and stalk. Yeah, I stalk. Eye stalk face. Eye stalk face. Um, Merman, probably. Merman. He's not called Merman. He's eyes on stalk. He's eyes on stalk, man. Many faces. You can have Center Patrol because you have many faces. Um, like, it needed that. But, I love her introductory scene where it's like, yeah, one henchman brings another potential one to her, and she basically is like, cool, like, the only thing I ask, aside from, you know, like, you having the skills, is loyalty. That is the only thing I ask. It's all about discretion doing this. I need your loyalty. I need to know you're never going to, like, you know, betray me. So to yeah. test his loyalty, she she points out that her part, his partner, the guy who brought him, has fucked up. Yeah. I'm not even going to tell you what he's done, because that shouldn't matter to you. And I know you're his friend, but you're my employee. Kill him. Put him in the meat grinder. Yeah, that's no just that. So that that already was like, oh, cool introduction for the villain. Nice. And the guy goes for it. Like you see hesitation on his face for like a moment, hmm. and then he's obviously thinking, no, like this is the best job I'm ever going to have. And he kills his mate, beats him, chucks him in the meat grinder, and he gets minced. Which is nice and sinister, especially because it's one of the big industrial ones. Oh, yeah. So it's clean. There's no gore. There's just the mince comes out of the bottom. It, they keep it very clean. And then off he goes to get, like, ma- the mini makeover that all of the henchmen get. They get the golden circle tattoo. Get the teeth filed flat. Teeth get filed their flat. fingerprints removed. Yeah. Uh, just because, like, ID stuff plus... ID stuff, but then give them something that clearly makes them a part of an organisation. Yeah, fucking... But I guess it's more a case of, like, they will operate in secret and, like, tooth gets knocked out or the corpse gets found. You're going to see a mysterious golden ring and that's it. Don't think about it. It yeah. falls apart. But then he goes back and she's cooked the meat into a burger. Yeah. And she sits there and makes him eat it. That was a scene that I didn't mind going on for as long as it did because it needed to to be as uncomfortable as it was. Yeah. And it yeah. set up... With you on that Julianne one. Moore ain't fucking around. Oh, no. This bad guy, Poppy, is a bad guy. I mean, Julianne Moore is clearly fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> but this character isn't fucking around. Like, but like, Poppy ain't fucking around. She's a bad guy. In this scene, uh, you're not going to see this character again. No. Her, yeah, pla- her weird, plan is more sadistic like, than she it, is going going forward. It's just she hasn't got the. There is the motivation. Oh, not no. there. But we're focusing right. on positives. We're focusing on positives. We're focusing on positives. Um, um, what else? Suits are fucking gorgeous. Costume design, like the first movie. Oh well, is yeah, fucking yeah. great. Yeah, always, film. Is. always is. Um, despite the overuse of the church choreography style setups for shots. I think a lot of the moments in the fight scenes, not so much all of them, but moments in them, yeah, are really fucking there are great cool. moments in the fight scenes. But the mm-hmm. fight scenes as a whole are overdone. The shootout as they arrive there is really cool. Yeah. Um, like well, especially when again, they, take, they take out the scissor thing above the salon, it just drops and impales two henchmen. It goes on a bit. Too positives. We're focused on the positives for this little it goes section. On a bit positives. Too long, though. Positives. Positives. Okay, um, fine. Uh, positive. Roxy is in the movie. We'll get back to that in the negatives. For about um, three well, minutes. Yeah. Um, Colin Firth sells the tragedy of Harry not quite being back very well. And yet, 
positives in this section. We're going to get to the negatives. Mark Strong's fucking great and has a Mark Strong's fucking great and has a wonderful drunk scene. He does have a wonderful drunk scene. Um, the casting of Jeff Bridges and Channing Tatum in particular is inspired, and on the surface is a great thing. But remember the word I kept repeating before, guys. <laughs> You'll have your moment, don't worry. I think the robot dogs are a very cool visual effect and they look very cool and genuinely seem frightening when someone's having to face off against them. Yes! I think the robot arm and its fucking cool nickname Armageddon is quite cool. I do like the robot arm. Uh, yes, I get, like the robot. It, it gets some weird pawn shots with the like, hey, look at them gears. Yeah. You like the gears, don't yeah. you? It's like, no, show me it doing something. No, I like the robot arm quite a bit. I, I do like that. I like I like the choreography of the fight between Eggsy and Charlie using the robot arm, like knowing that they've got that and they should really yeah. play with it. Yeah. Um, oh fuck, there's a couple of other positives. What are they? I do like mm. how the film. I do like how the film sort of makes a case of, hey, guess what? Just because you do drugs doesn't mean you're a bad person. You may be trying to escape a bad situation. And yet, but yet they do the polar opposite of that at the same time. So it makes that's what I'm saying. They do a thing where they go, "We're going to do this." Oh, but on the way we'll do this, and the thing on the way undermines the thing they were heading towards. It is mixed messaging on the morality. Yeah, South Park For to fuck. Real. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I really like uh, Pedro Pascal's fight sequences. I always think that Whiskey looked fucking cool doing what he did. It makes you want to watch a Statesman movie set you know, separate from this, like, I'd watch that. If only because... Mm. Negative time! If only because it means we actually get Jeff Bridges doing something. Oh, and Channing Tatum, Tatum doing Tatum something. Doing something, and Halle, anything! And Halle Berry actually being established as a character to the point where we would give a shit about right. her character's goals. Uh, let's talk Jeff Bridges oh, and Julianne Moore for a second. Oh, Do you know so, what I noticed? So, Do you know what I noticed? Julianne what? Moore and Jeff Bridges, I bet they shot for one day. Yep. Yeah. They shot for one day. Maybe a week for Because they are both in the same location and in about three scenes each. Julianne Moore maybe had an extra day on green screen to film the uh, Ransom video. Yeah. Um, But probably not because they also had Elton John and I imagine they probably had to use them both in a day. Um, (sighs) Oh my God. Uh, Okay. Let's be calm because I don't think the audacity is going to take it. The Harry Hart plot. Is that Harry Surnick? Yeah. Lovely. That's, That's quite a nice name. It's not good. It's not good. No. There is an emotional depth that you can play with this, and I think, like I said, the, the three who are involved in it, Merlin and, and Eggsy and, and Harry, the three of the actors approach it and play it very well. Yeah. But it's pointless, because it undercuts the first movie. Yeah. It's Men in Black 2 the second movie. It is Men in Black 2, yeah. Yeah. And worst of all, as far as I'm fucking concerned, the reason he's live kills death in the Kingsman universe. Well, it kills death by headshot. Yeah, but that's the most, like, deathy death death you can have in terms of spy movies. But they do headshot. It... Double tap. <laughs> Someone is it... dead. And now you can survive that. And they do it to whisk Because it. the good guys invented technology to do it. And they do it to whisk it. Oh and he's God. back up on his feet in five minutes. Yeah. Harry? Few months. Well, it's because they couldn't work out how to reboot Harry's memory. Slash they didn't know who he was. Yeah. Like, like, so, but um, like, oh, God but sake. also the human brain it's isn't a chill. You can't just reboot it. Exactly. Oh, fucking hell. 
Um, Merlin's death scene. Mark Strong like tries. Mark Strong tries his damnedest to make that work. But again, it goes on too long. fucking long. You don't need to sing that song like and it's three really, times. And it's really stupid. It's why really it happens? It's really stupid. Like if they'd have like cleared the first wave of henchmen or something, and we'd had a cool action sequence with them getting up there. Yeah. And then it ends with one of them standing on things like, oh fuck! Like then it would be sort of like in in the melee. One of them has stood on the landmine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But instead, it's no. They sneak up, and Exy stands on a landmine. So Merlin has to die because he's going to sacrifice himself by standing on the mine. And also, the th- it would make sense if they took it like the first wave of guards. He got to be a kingsman, which yeah. is the whole point of the- again. Oh my god, wouldn't it be great if Merlin's always wanted to be in the field properly? Let's do that. Oh, but on the way, let's have him die here. Do you see what I mean? It's like they go stretch goal. Intermediate thing ruins the point of the stretch goal. But they never—he doesn't want to be a kingsman. But he wants to get—he wants to get his hands dirty in this particular moment. They do set that up like he yeah. picks a big fucking he, knife. He doesn't want to be a kingsman. Ginger ale wants to be a statesman. Yeah. And he's like, and she's like, oh my god! And he's like, nah. So what they should have done is built Halle Berry's character up more by giving her more to do. Yeah. Maybe just dropped Channing Tatum's character altogether to give Halle Berry more time to flourish. Yeah. And then she should have been the one who made the sacrifice play. But yeah. not in a stupid way. She still should have had some fight in. Well, then you're killing off all your female characters, which is not good. But very good. Yeah. Because you kill off Roxy at the start. Yeah, I fucking hated that. Fucking hated it. Especially because hated. they show an extra scene hated where she's, she's helping Eggsy with, with an earpiece during the, the, the meeting of, of the princess's parents. And they're best mates. And it really, but it really reinforces something which yeah. the first film did that I loved, which was it didn't end with Eggsy and Roxy being a thing. No. Like, they first meet, and there's a couple scenes at them when they're training where you sort of get the suggestion that, are these two going to end up being an item? And at that point, it didn't bother me, so I was like, I mean, they're, you know, they're both cute, and their chemistry's nice. But then they don't go along with that, and then by the end, they're best mates who've fucking taken on the, the world-ending plot of Samuel L. Jackson's character. Yeah. And it's great. And I love that. I love that it ended with, like, so the Kingsmen, like, the two, the two main Kingsmen operating now for this base are these two, great because they're going to be fucking brilliant working alongside each other and we see that in the personal stake with her being in the earpiece in this movie and you're like yay the best mates and they work really well together this is amazing and then she gets blown up it's bullshit and michael gambon i don't mind the casting of michael gambon in a role that you are then killing off because it is sort of that almost joke of oh my god michael gambon's in charge yeah. now cool can't wait to see what oh we've killed him off yeah one day but, again. which again which again for michael gambon so again though like that's the stretch goal the stretch yeah. goal is introduce him but know you're going to kill him off and surprise the audience by killing him off so soon there's your stretch goal but then they have the interim where they decide to give him the last same final moment joke as, as Michael Caine from the first one. It's almost The as missile if... arrives and the posh Michael Gambon goes, oh, fuck. This, and then... this mm. movie yeah. repeats so many of the same beats. Yeah. It's got a bar fight with the Manners Makers Man. Again. Yeah, which again, like, its purpose is to show that Harry's not quite ready. So, but like, we, we, need, we need to do something where we show that Harry isn't ready for the field. Stretch goal. But that isn't really Oh, purpose, how about though? if we do it by him repeating the bar fight from the last... This movie's death by point fives. Yeah. It's death by point fives. They introduce... They come up with an idea. 
or a story beat they need to hit, and then they introduce something on the way to that that ruins it. And just like structurally, the movie's just messy and boring. It's a movie full of point fives that are, yeah. <laughs> that are no and no whole numbers. It's, just... it's a movie full of point fives and no whole numbers. It's <laughs> it's what is this? The more I'm, the more I think about it, the less I like it. Mm. Yeah. And don't surround me and go, oh, well, don't overthink it. It's just a movie. No. No. There are movies that go, leave your brain at the door, we're here for a dumb old time. Kingsman certainly celebrates its goofiness, but that first movie proved that, no, it is an intelligent story. It is told well. And as though, even though this world is goofy, there is logic to this world. But I think the fact that it's intelligent means you can't forgive it for what it does for what it does yeah but especially in entry two like i almost feel like i almost feel like the two movies so like they've given us a fucking gorgeous starter like we've we've had for starter we've had like freaking we've had like a straight up mexican chili we've had some rice we've had some freaking um like sour cream like dollops Mm. on top we've got Mm. nachos around the sides melted cheese on the rice like we've been given and but like this thing's been freaking made like in Mexico and airlifted over to you. It's as authentic as possible. Yeah. Then for dessert we've had a McFlurry. <laughs> like it it's cooling your tongue after all the chili, so you're grateful for it. Yeah. Um and it's you know, it's not terrible. But a bit of a fucking step down after the last thing, isn't it? Like that kind of that's sort of how it feels to me. Somewhat, yeah. And and the way the movie ends it sort of suggests that the story will go on with at least Channing Tatum and Harry. Yeah. I'm not against that. I'm not against this. If, and these are my terms, Kingsman 3, if you ever get greenlit. It's happening. Is it definitely happening? happening? Oh yeah, because it knocked it off the box office, didn't it? So, these are my terms, Kingsman 3. You leave Taron Egerton out of it, Eggsy's story's closed. He's a prince now. It would be stupid and far-fetched to fuck if you were like, but he's also a secret agent. No. No, no, no. Leave Eggsy be. It's disappointing that that's the end of Eggsy's story for me, because he's a fucking good Kingsman. Yeah. But end Eggsy's story here. Don't be an immediate reaction. Introduce a new protagonist, maybe someone who's just graduated from the program, or something like that. You make... Channing Tatum, they're Harry. Not the same relationship, but he's the one who's ushering them into it. You get a different dynamic from Colin Firth and Taron Egerton because of that, because your Harry, though very fucking skilled, is still a bit of an arsehole himself, not quite, you know, not quite responsible. Yeah. And you also get the extra charm of the British spy flick with a big bungle in America as part of the team. Yeah. You make Harry Arthur. Harry's Arthur now. Yeah. You don't overuse your Colin Firth. I think Colin Firth should still be in the field, but not as as much your Colin as he Firth has been. Should yeah. be used sparingly yeah. to avoid spoiling the meat. Your Colin, F- <laughs> your Colin Firth, <laughs> and then you grill him up after mincing him. Yeah. Your Colin Firth should be in an Arthur role that gets to partake in scenes like the McDonald scene from the First Kingsman. <laughs> yeah, which is one of my favourite fucking scenes yeah. in that movie. And after this, may I recommend a Chateau du Mont and a Twinkie? Oh, very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you 
don't waste a villain in your third movie the way you did with Julianne Moore. You cast a great actress and you sort of give her something that starts off really cool and then is pretty much nothing after that point. You do what you did with Sam Jackson. You cast somebody to play something against their type with an actor like Sam Jackson who's willing to play with it. What? Well, Valentine in the first one is not the role you would normally give no, Sam Jackson. No, no, absolutely not. It's a role that when you hear that he's playing it, you go, oh, yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. But then he he one-upped you by going, and this is how I'm going to play it. Mm. I'm going to play it like this. Physicality is going to be like this. The speech impediment. Like, I'm going to play with it. So you go in going, oh, shit, Sam Jackson was great at this. So you need to cast an actor against type again for your villain. We had another keep, pretty henchman keep, in this one, didn't we? Yeah. Keep, oh, the, keep, keep the keep the supervillain aspect of them all, like, fair enough. But... Next one can't be about world domination or killing people around the world. It has to be about something else. It's going to be. Have a worldwide business, maybe. But don't make it about the world around Don't give us a fucking CGI stadium full of green screen cabin in the woods cages for people. I will yeah, admit, I will admit though, I will admit though, the, ox- the, the, the lack of oxygen death was gross. Yeah. But the fact they showed you so many people who didn't deserve it and made a big point of that, it made it really uncomfortable. Yeah. It was like, I don't feel like the world's under danger. I feel like you're torturing innocent people because you think it's cool, a cool death. Especially there was so many authority figures were like, yeah, that all was... right. I mean, I guess it's kind of a comment on the right wing from... Do you know what? I would but... like my fiction to stop directly referencing the real world now. Watch the first episode of American Horror Story Cult today. Do you know what See... it opens with? newsreels of the election. See, I think... Several of the characters talk about Trump throughout the show. I think it's very important that, that fictional oh, media... Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know how you do it? Plays, it? Yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. You, t- you touch on real-world things through your stories. You don't just yeah. go, hey, you know that thing? We're doing it. Now, admittedly, yes, the president wasn't Trump. And he wasn't fighting the war on drugs the way Trump sort of has. Trump has barely been thinking yeah, about yeah. it. But it was that extreme right thing of yeah. like, good, get rid of these junkies. We'll just let them all die. It's like, what? And everyone will love me for it. Yeah. Like, so there's that. Yeah. Um, but even so, it's like, no. Fiction's escapism. You can teach us things. You can comment on things. But if I want fact, I'll watch the news. I'll stick with my documentaries. Don't make me think about Trump in a Kingsman movie. <laughs> Or better yet, remake the first one um, by reinserting all the president scenes with him so that his head explodes. Decent. 10 out of 10. Now, Christopher, <laughs> let's, let's stop talking about something that we didn't particularly like. Also, there wasn't a Take That song. And let's talk instead yes. about something that we did really like. Take That songs? It only takes a minute, girl. Ah, you're an old school take that. I see. I like that we're all in our 30s wearing suits and slightly dancing while we sing the phase. Relight my fire. Your love is my only desire. Relight my fire. Because I need need your love. love. Mm -mm. Mm. Um, And all our young listeners going, Who's that? Let's take, let's take that. Who? Rick. And Morty. Yes, good sir. This week we got Morty's Mind Blowers. Uh, minor spoilers from here on in, guys, but not too much. Don't um, explain the whole episode. No, no, no. But uh, as Rick said from the beginning, 
this is your interdimensional cable this year. Yeah. <laughs> Which, when he said that, I just looked down the barrel of the camera. I was like, it's, okay, fair enough. It's a clip show made up of clips that you've never seen before. Yeah. But it's not a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. <laughs> Which he made, yeah, he made very clear. It's not a Simpsons Treehouse it's of Horror very episode. very fourth wall breaking, very Everything meta. Rick says in the first, yeah. like, five minutes is basically him explaining to the audience, either directly or through Morty, what this show, this episode is, why it's structured this way, yeah. and how it's different from other shows. So the idea is basically <laughs> that Morty has asked Rick to remove memories of things that he doesn't want to remember. Well, whether he's asked him like yeah. straight up or asked him more in panic, like I don't, yeah. I don't remember this, and Rick's just gone. All right, fine. So only Morty discovers that Rick's been doing this for a while. Yeah, it's and less has... a case of I've helped remove a trauma for you. Yeah, it's more a case of oh, I've removed trauma. I've removed self-inflicted trauma. I've removed uh, like minor quibbles, embarrassments. Yeah. And then as the episode goes on, you realise he's also removed things that he doesn't want Morty to remember where he's fucked up yeah. or he's been the butt of a joke. Yeah. So essentially, it's a story about being mind-raped. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. And, um... Morty's brain is not his to 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 own anymore. So it's a horrible story about being violated mentally. Yeah. Which which is played a lot of the time because it's a comedy show for comedy. Oh yeah, but some of the things you're like, but oh pitch, god, pitch dark comedy. Yeah, this is a black yeah. and, comedy. I don't episode. think we should say too much about the individual moments themselves or even the, the much of the plot of the episode because it's very short and very simple. But I think I think there's one one reassurance about two thirds into the episode, a very sim a very familiar trope will show up in terms of where the story's going. Yeah, stick with it. Yeah, they. They're not writing this in autopilot. No, no, no. It's worth it. And the payoff, as always with Rick and Morty, is even fucking darker than the premise. It's very, very dark. Um, highlights, without giving too much away, I do love the one where the memory is them interrogating an alien for information to save the world, and Rick basically says, like, grab the glands on his face. <laughs> grab the things. Like, because Morty's getting really pissed off, and it's yeah. basically Morty thinks he's torturing the creature, and Rick's like, okay, he says he'll give us half the code now and half when you finish. And Morty's like, wait, wait what? Oh God! <laughs> like that was really freaking cool. Um, um, there is a cameo appearance in a very quick flash memory of Mister Poopy Butthole. Yay! Um, which, which I won't say what the memory is, but you'll go, wait, what? <laughs> like that was really cool. Yeah. Um, God, what else? There's a couple of cameos hidden in the memories. Yeah, there's yeah. a brilliant one where Morty's possessed by this being. And Rick, Rick, Beth, and Summer appeal to Morty to like, to like, you know, you're in there. Be strong. Like, get rid of it. You can do this. And he starts puking up this giant slug creature. And then they stop like encouraging him because they're commenting on how gross and how long it's taking. And it starts to go back. That was yeah, horrible. That was fucking. But great. really funny because of course Rick wouldn't appeal to Morty's better nature by being sincere. He'd fake sincerity. Oh, yeah. It oh, makes yeah. sense. So like that was cool. And there's also a great line about them not doing <laughs> them not doing this uh not not doing this again because they bicker so much. Yes. Which is a which is a lovely uh <laughs> nod to the fact that this season took way longer than it should have because yeah. uh, Justin Rowland and Dan Harmon just couldn't get it out the door. Yeah. Um because um, they kept bickering. And for Jerry fans who've been missing him, there is a lovely post credit set. Lovely Jerry with a bit of Jerry. So uh, uh, probably their longest post-credit sequence ever. It's like yeah. a minute and a half. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, Rick and Morty keep on going. On two more episodes, I think. After this, two more episodes.
episode! And then another eight-year wait. Yeah. I would wait. I, I would happily wait. Season, yeah. I don't think they'll do another one. I don't know. I I feel they've got another in them. I think I think this one was so hard to force out. Oh, I think they've got another in them, but I don't want them to and hurry. It's I don't want them, them to rush. I think it's given them so many creative hemorrhoids <laughs> that if they try and force another we one out... We've got creative hemorrhoids. They might give themselves an anal fissure. It only takes a minute, it'll girl. just hurt every time they move. I, I want one more season, but I want them to take their time. I want yeah, them to make it when it they out, make like, it. Do it when... Bring it out when it's As much ready. as Cartoon Network are probably like, no, bring it out now, because we've now, f- after, you know, after witnessing the success of it, while it's, with the people who are waiting for it, we've been making merchandise like fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Cartoon Network, the merch will sell. This isn't an 80s cartoon. Like, the merch will sell without the show being on. Because your main market is adults, not kids. Yeah. Adults will always buy Rick and Morty merch, regardless of if the show is reminding them that it exists. So, yeah. Speaking of reminding us that it exists, you guys remind us that we're real and not actually figments of the imagination by getting in touch with us. We've got some emails in the box. Uh, do you want to hit me up? That either means that we've got an inbox full of Viagra advertisements, or you're going to have to put on a voice. Oh. Just losing my vocal cords. It, in, your, <laughs> in your fingers? <laughs> what? Hi, Big Dan, Chris, and Matt. Spelt like the, the paint. Um, <laughs> last week, Chris said you might get around to finishing Black Mirror Season 3 this week. Have you? Matt, you said you wouldn't, but have you? No and no. No, my uh, my my existence betwixt recordings got a lot busier than I, I thought it would, I, so I'm no. I'm actually purposefully not going to watch it. I did watch all no. of season three of um, of Toast of London, though. But that was only two, that only takes two hours to complete, so that was yeah, quite I've easy. Yeah, I watched all but one episode of Toast now. <laughs> all but one episode. There's been at least three instances of another breakfast table, breakfast table where he's just ended a sentence extending <laughs> the sound. <laughs> For no reason other than he knows people find it amusing when he does that. Aren't I lucky? Um. <laughs> um. If so, what did you think? What was your favourite? I recently rewatched episode four, San Junipero, after hating it and not watching it since when it came out, and now I can say it is one of my favourites. It's one of those episodes that's better on second viewing when you know what's going on from the offset. Apologies if neither of you have in fact watched it, and I just bored you with opinions on episodes you have watched. That's all this week. Hope you have a nice next one, Tom Monty. Do we all float down here, Tom Monty? Oh, yes. They all float. They all float. Um, no, we haven't watched Batman Season 3. But, so let's answer his question. Um, My favourite is the one where all the crabs show up. <laughs> And there's just crabs everywhere. Everyone wakes up one morning, there's just crabs. And eventually, one of the crabs learns to speak by using chalk. My my favourite was the one where Twitter is his father. Um... <laughs> Why don't you tell me you love me? Because I only have 140 ca- This one comes in from Ryan. 
Give me a voice for Ryan. Ooh, right, we're in the Tat Cave. Let's look around and see what we find. Uh-oh. Arnold Schwarzenegger, specifically in Predator. Quiet, a little more understated, but confrontational towards the end. Hey, guys. Been a while since my last email, mainly because I just couldn't really think of a question to ask, and all I could think of was a really good show to recommend to you guys. Side note, the anime, My Hero Academia, is awesome, and I'd love to see a segment on it if you get to watching it. What's that, Hero Academia? My Hero I've, Academia. My Hero Academia. I've heard of this. I may have to give that a look. I did eventually think of a few questions that I'd like to ask you. One. Well, I... <laughs> are you guys looking forward to the new series of Red Dwarf? Yes. Uh, I was a bit overwhelmed. Uh, overwhelmed. I was a bit underwhelmed by last year's run. It just sort of ended, didn't it? Oh, the scripts were edited. And the, yeah. the, 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 act, the scripts and the, um, the visuals were edited sort of, so just terribly. Ended really abruptly. Everything, every, like, scenes ended like they feel like they hadn't ended yet. It was, it was odd. Um, but that being said, I watch it on catch up, so I'm not like appointment viewing it necessarily. Yeah. So. Six weeks getting some brand new Red Dwarf over six weeks to watch while I'm like cooking dinner and stuff. Cool. Yeah, I, like, I can't knock that. anything for ages, so. Yeah, whatever. You know, it should have point of view. What? All over the place, Asia part two going out in January on the CBBC channel. Two! With all the new Doctor <laughs> Who Big Three series coming out, are there any you're particularly excited for? Personally interested in the Tenth Doctor and the Rose Adventures? Uh, no. I don't think I've ever been excited for a Big Finish audio. No, uh, but I tell you, we should get excited for. That's I mean, no, no, you know, ill will toward them and that, but like, not really. Um, I, I'm, I, even if I was subscribed, that is way too many things to keep up with yeah, for me to yeah. for me to sort of look forward to them. It's just a um, lot. Yeah, although uh, I am looking forward to the Ninth Doctor Adventures, which is uh, finally getting its premiere online uh, this autumn. So keep an eye out for that. Get to the chopper! That's not a, um, it's not a big finish. Three! So you know, it's the one, the one that we, we worked on. I've, if I've, you could bring back one missing and, uh... Doctor Who story, oh, oh, right, which oh. would it be? And it'd probably pick power of the Daleks or the Daleks' master plan. Oh, like sort of just find it miraculously one yeah. day. Um, power of the Daleks. Hands down. Funny enough, Dalek master plan. Hands down, power of the Daleks. Dal- Dalek master plan. Or even of the Daleks. Is it Dalek Master Plan that had the pre-episode as well that's like without yeah. the main characters but it's got Peter Butterworth in it? Yeah. The Meddling Monk comes back yeah, for yeah. one episode. Yeah, that. Absolutely that. Yeah. Dalek Master Plan for me. Um, Four. Four. Oh, that sounded really good. <laughs> what are some of your favourite animated movies slash television shows? Loving the podcast and I look forward to listening to the next episode. See you next email which knowing me will be in 2018. <laughs> Um, Thanks, Ryan. Um, favorite animated have you got all movies? day. Um, the animated series, Battle Mask of the Phantasm, uh, Transformers the movie, Transformers the animated series, even though it's terrible. Uh, Batman Beyond it's Return of the Joker. Fucking awful, but I love it. Batman Beyond Return Batman of the Joker. Return of the Joker's great. The Wonder Woman DC animated original movie. Um, it's damn fun. Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Mm. Um, Basically, the DCAU. Yeah. The DCAU, the DCAU including stuff. Static Shock. Because it is technically part of it. There was the crossover episode with Batman. Oh! Meets. Um, Animaniacs. But good luck finding it. If you do, let us know where. Because I really want to revisit it. Rick and Morty. Obvs. Obvs. Totes. Blakes. Um, uh, what else? Robot Chicken's fun if you're looking for something to digest while you're like cooking. 
Is that technically animated, though? Yeah, it's stop motion. Stop motion. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, we're talking animated films. Uh, Bob's Burgers. It's yeah, really what a scene good. of that I really like. It's really good. Yeah. Um, um, what else? Uh, if we're talking animated films, pretty much the entire Disney Renaissance minus Pocahontas. Yeah, I'll go with that. Um, and even then, after that, uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Most most Disney classics and, and what Disney Pictures presents, I, I, I dig on in terms of animated most movies. Most Pixar as well. Yeah, absolutely. With the exception of the Cars trilogy. I, didn't, I wasn't keen on Brave either. I like Brave, but it almost feels like it should be a 15-minute short film rather than an hour and 20-minute piece. Yes! However, it is fascinating when you go into it with the mindset of the Pixar theory that the old crone is actually a time-travelling boo from Monsters, Inc. God, I hate fan theories. Oh, no, no, that one's kind of cool, because the, the the Easter egg in that movie is Mike and Sully are scribbled on one of the There's logs. There's no such thing. thing as a cool and, fan theory. And when you open the door, she goes into a workshop, and then when they opened it again after like they left it, it just was opening onto the wood of the tree, because, of course, it's a door from Monster- uh, Monstropolis. Obviously. Come on, Matt. Get involved, Ed. Sniff TM. <laughs> right. Left. Right. Left. Come right. back. Halt. What's next? The end of time or email? We have two. <gasps> two ends of time. Two emails. <laughs> From Luke. Dun. Dun, dun, dun. I need a voice for Luke. Um. The year is 1582. <laughs> Fuck it. You find yourself stranded in the wilderness with no clothing, no implements or personal objet d'art to give you a clue as to where you were the night prior. You remember nothing, but surrounding you are several kegs of gunpowder, and atop one is a musket with a single shot! Now, perhaps concealed within these gunpowder is the secret of why you are here, or perhaps you will simply blow yourself up. The voice that's in your head trying to tell you to calm down is the voice I would like you to read the emails with. (laughs) Hey, Big Dumbcast, um, I had a great idea. For a little segment on the sh- on the show, the Ginger Luke's film reviews make up a theme tune. Please. Basically, um, um, for GCSE film studies, I had to write about my favourite films, and I thought that if if I put a film per podcast, it it it, it could be a little fun. Um, so National Lampoon's Vacation, nineteen eighty three. This is classic John Hughes comedy. It stars Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold, not Griswold until the third instalment of this film series. My parents introduced this film to me earlier this year when it was airing on TV. The, the humour holds up and it's not anywhere near as dated as some of Hughes' other films. Uh, the Griswold family has become a, a recurring joke throughout all of our trips as a family. L- Lindsay Buckingham's Holiday Road wonderfully soundtracks the film. Uh, your thoughts? I would say if you want to do movie reviews, just do your own podcast, my dude. Yeah, yeah don't tie it to us. <clears> just <throat> get your own thing out there. Especially the little short ones. You can sort of like... Back them out at a pretty regular interval. Yeah, and, 50, uh, like 15 minute podcast. It's literally boom. a film review for podcast and then like asking what people think of it. Go yeah. for it. That'd be awesome. Do it. Um, let us know if you do it because obviously we'll put the link out. We'll give you a signal. We'll tell people. Um, so, um, so weird what you said about the, the word defenestrate. I'm thinking of calling my next short film it. 
Interesting. I'll be interested to see that. Um, what, It or Defenestrate? A, a short film called Defenestrate by Luke. Um, please do a hashtag Buffy Slays 20 episode. I think we should. Okay. I think before the end of the year we should do a Buffy episode. Because it's the 20th hand. I have to rewatch from Buffy, won't I? Um, <laughs> Maybe don't rewatch all of it. That might be a bit <laughs> of a gigantic task. Um, I can't believe SJA is 10. These random sentences are completely unrelated. Even this one, same here. Joke's old. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> I must ask what are your views on the Naked Gunners? Within a few weeks I'll be reviewing it with Guy Lambert as a special guest on a new podcast of mine. Is it Ginger Luke's film review? Do that. Well, there um, it is. There you go. He's already got the ball rolling. Let us know what, when that's out. What are your favourite biscuits? Bye. Here's another unrelated sentence. <laughs> Sandwich toaster. Um, Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact now I've said that we're popping out after this to grab some, some uh, drinky poos I'm going to buy a pack of bourbons as well chocolate digestives have yeah. you tried the new caramel digestive flavours no there's a coffee caramel digestive oh. and a banoffee caramel digestive oh god I know I'm an adult because the idea of a coffee caramel biscuit it's fucking lovely mate it's fucking lovely get it in your belly and just have a brew and have a whole pack of these fucking Banoffee Caramel Biscuits and what you do is you pour the brew onto them like gravy and you take the whole packet cylinder-like and you put it in a Pringles can you shake it up and then you just pour it into your mouth you deep throw that shit right the way down Um. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Um. Taste right on out. <laughs> uh, Luke also sent another one. Um, just a bit of shameless uh, promotion on, on Luke's part go here. Go for it, go for it, man. For more weird rants, follow me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero. That's at llama underscore bottle zero. Good night, sweet tat. <laughs> um, uh, ding dong do it. Naked gun. Naked gun. I love naked. It's gun. really fucking good. But I'd recommend this. Good sir, kind sir. Yeah. If you've not seen it yet, watch the precursor to Naked Gun. Police naked, Squad. Yeah, Naked Gun. I think the first movie is called The Naked Gun Police from the Squad. Files, from the Files Police Squad. Yeah. Uh, that's because Naked Gun is the Police Squad, the movie. You can very easily watch all of um, Police Squad. Before you do your podcast, Luke, because it's only six episodes long. Yes, um, it was one series. It was very short-lived, but people loved it enough that they went, "Fuck it, we're going to do a movie." Um, I like all three of them. The first one's obviously the best one, but I, I do, I do enjoy all three. Anything with Leslie Nielsen in the lead is a joy to watch. Even the crap nineties, he... even the crap nineties Naked Gun wannabe films like Spy Hard, Dracula Dead and Loving It. That's not great. That's like Mel Brooks's low point. <laughs> like I say that as a man who adores, knowing it's not his best, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Robin Hood Men in Tights is fucking excellent, and I will fight anyone who has a different opinion. He dared, maybe to not kill physically. A king's dare, maybe not <laughs> physically with fists, but I will fight them in some fashion. Thumb war, maybe arm wrestle. I know duel of minds. Hey, Blake. debate club. Hold the reins, man. Did you just say Abe Lincoln? I don't say Abe Lincoln, I say Hey Blinken. Hold the reins, man. How do they know who Abe Lincoln is? 
there existing several hundred years prior. Oh. I la- I clapped. I clapped when I saw it. I'm gonna come back next week for a brand new episode of the Big Damn Cast, um, where we'll be talking about that time I found one of them uh, in my bowl of Cheerios. I'm just gonna have a lie down, Chris. Some say it's the healthy way. I'm just gonna go to sleep right here on the floor. And while he's sleeping, I'm gonna plant this tracker in his mucal membrane. Now what's the best point of entry? Oh, madam!